My name is David. I'm a local barber and business owner of the Fade Capital in the Plaza District. I'm a local here. This is another episode of the Mas Football Podcast. Yo, welcome back to the Mass Football Podcast, the number one soccer podcast here in Oklahoma City. I am your host, Ricardo Yoa, and I am here at the NICE Legacy Real Estate Group. Shout out to the sponsors. You know what they do. If you're looking to buy, sell, invest in a house, like they say, the time is always now. Hit up my aunt, my uncle. They're the best in the business. But I am not here by myself today because I do have a special guest with me today. This is a soccer podcast, but sometimes I like to talk about things other than soccer. But I have right here with me my good friend, David Vargas. Did I get it right? Yeah, you got it yeah, right. There you go, man. How are you today? Good. How about yourself, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Blessed. And I appreciate you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate you having me, man. Shout out to Javier. Shout out to the guy. He hit me up and he was like, dude, you got to get David Vargas on. And I said, yeah, that'd be awesome. But I was like, why? Like, why? Like, it, it was random. What did he tell you? Like, um, did, he it, did he bring it up to you? I, th- I think more so, like, I was cutting Javi's hair, and I'm really big on conversation. I always tell people I think the best part of cutting hair isn't even cutting hair. I think it's more so the people and the conversations I have. Right. I think that's had the biggest impact in my maturing. Of course, I'm not the most mature person, but yeah. I think it's helped me out throughout life and see different perspectives. But every time I have somebody in my chair I try to get to know them as much as I can and I try to have the most uh deep and intellectual conversations I can with people sometimes of course you yeah you, you kinda, get someone that comes to cut their hair and they're like you don't feel like talking today <laughs> yeah you don't feel like talking or you don't want to get too serious mm-hmm. you know and uh Javi's a really good guy uh, every time I talk to him he's real informative about things that are kind of happening around mm-hmm. like the immigration world mm-hmm. he's kind of helped me out as well he's kind of given me advice and I think he just kind of saw that I was a little different with conversating than mm. most barbers and I think he just kind of saw, he kind of saw it as like maybe he's a, a mm. guy that'll have an interesting conversation <laughs> word word I feel you with that about conversations because I feel like that's what this has turned into is um it's a soccer podcast but the conversations like that's I think what keeps me going because like you said it I've learned a lot from having all these conversations with different people and I think my favorite conversations probably to you as a barber are always with strangers does that make sense? Yeah, 1,000%. I mean, sometimes I get nervous getting new clients, mm-hmm. but once they, I have them in my chair, I'm like, oh, dang. Like, you get are, to open up. Yeah, these yeah. are some interesting human beings. Yeah. yeah and I think perspective is kind of like what's helped me out with growth and kind of seeing like, dang, we're not all the same. Mm-hmm. We don't always see situations the same. And I think it's been a blessing just being able to kind of reflect on other people's lives and their experiences and kind of project them into my life and trying to find the blessing even in the worst situations mm-hmm. what do they say um uh, a smart person learns from his mistakes a wise person learns from the mistake of others yeah that's what we do for sure yeah yeah no i feel you well for the people that don't know you um can you introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about what you do yeah so uh my name is david and i've been a, a barber for 10 years now i started when i was 15 Um, When I first started cutting hair, I didn't think this was going to be like a profession that I was going to run with. Uh, I always kind of saw myself in the medical field or I'm I'm kind of an adrenaline adrenaline junkie. Mm -hmm. So anything that kind of gets my heart pumping is Mm -hmm. like something that I want to be a part of. Uh, I even thought about journalism when I was younger, but life kind of hit me. You know, yeah, you never know. Yeah, it kind of hit me at the time. I was probably 14 going on 15, and my uh, my big brother, he cut hair at the time, 
and he used to cut his hair but he could never get the back right because it was just too hard Mm -hmm. and he would tell me like hey like come help me out i'll be playing xbox and i'm like heck no dude like i don't want to i don't yeah not even that just i don't want to cut hair like that's your thing not mine and he was like nah like come do it and after a couple of months like helping him out he was like hey man like you got potential and i was like yeah whatever you know just kind of shrugged it off and um he kind of he kind of hit a a curve in life where he was kind of going through some things so he had to leave and he was one of the people that was bringing bread to the to the table in my family so he left and um my mom was dating a guy at the time and uh that guy ended up being kind of a a scumbag he was uh cheating Mm -hmm. on my mom so he left and he was another breadwinner and i was a freshman in in Mm -hmm. high school and i was like dang like both breadwinners just left like Mm -hmm. i need to get it together and i knew like every other job that people were doing which was like mcdonald's and mathis which like nothing nothing wrong wrong with that yeah there's nothing wrong with that but i knew i had to do more because you know i had to fend for my mom so i picked up the pair of clippers and i told one of my buddies i was like hey uh let me cut your hair, man. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to jack you up for like three months. Yeah. But like, once I get better, it's it's going to mm-hmm. be uh, in your favor. He was like, yeah, man, that's fine. And I started getting good. And somebody asked him, like, hey, man, who cut your hair? Mm. The and, ultimate compliment, right? Yeah, the mm-hmm. ultimate compliment. So he was like, oh, you know, my buddy David. And it was this guy named Noel. He was a new guy from mm. Texas. And I'll never forget that day because it was hilarious. But uh, that was the first person I cut outside of my buddy Tony. And I cut up Noel's hair, and uh, when I cut Noel's hair, I butchered him, man. No yeah, man. He asked for it too, but he wanted it with the grain, and I went mm-hmm. against it. So I like it was bald, but it was a learning lesson. Yeah, yeah. I told him like, hey, next time, like I know, and don't worry, it's mm-hmm. on the house. And uh, I think ever since then, it kind of took off. People started to know me because of cutting hair, and it was a it was a real humbling experience being able to find myself with my back against the wall and telling myself like dang what am I going to do next am I going to be successful but I mean just like anything else like the effort you put in is the income is the outcome you know Mm -hmm. so if you're slacking if you're being lazy I mean what type of results do you think you're going to get out of it so I think ever since then that's kind of where like my hard work ethic came Mm -hmm. and I mean of of course it's something my dad imprinted in me too he'd like they say uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss but he'd always say el el pendejo trabaja doble you know so I was just like man I can't I can't Mm -hmm. be just jacking around i gotta be serious about this and i started putting money on the table and i started fending for my mom and i mean fast forward jumping shop to shop Mm -hmm. uh, i finally had the privilege of meeting a guy named caleb about three years ago at uh, fading up Southside, Mm -hmm. and uh, we were like-minded people we're the same age and uh, hard work was like something that was really instilled in us and uh, we wanted to kind of leave an imprint on the barber industry so uh, like I said, fast forward, we uh, opened a shop about a year ago. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Appreciate it, man. That's big. That's a big move. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 totally a big move. And uh, it's pretty insane seeing everything kind of build up because uh, at first we were nervous as hell. We're like, mm-hmm. dude, like, what if we spend too much money? What if we don't get uh, back what we put in? What if clients don't find this place appealing and they stop mm-hmm. coming? But thank God everything worked in our favor, and uh, it's been a blessing. And uh, we ended up naming the shop uh, the Fade Capital. Fade Capital. Where yeah. is this? Where is it? Located? It's in the Plaza District. Oh, uh, really? It's right above the Old Mule. Okay. Yeah, so it's right above. So that was another blessing. Uh, I met a uh, through Leo. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Leo introduced me to this uh, guy named Patrick, and uh, Patrick's mom's really big in in, uh, in real estate. Mm. And I asked Patrick one day, I was like, Hey, does your mom have any like suites or anything available? Uh, and he was like, oh, let me check. 
And I was like, all right, that's fine. You know, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And he finally told me, he was like, hey, my mom has a suite on top of the, the mule. And I was like, whoa, like, okay. that's crazy. Mm -hmm. So I told, I called his mom. I was like, hey, I would love to check the building out. She showed us and the day she showed us, I was like, yeah, this, this is our, mm -hmm. this is our spot. And that's been home for us, mm -hmm. man. You know, and I always tell people where you work is kind of like a sanctuary. That's Honestly. essentially, yeah, that's essentially you're there more than you are at home. Yeah. And that's, that's, I've been dating my lady for three years now. And I tell Caleb, like, dude, I've spent more time with you than I've spent with my lady. That's the truth. Yeah. And like, you know, you don't shit where you eat. So I think you got to treat your workplace like a temple because that's where you feed your family. That's mm -hmm. where you get your income. That's where you manifest the future. Mm -hmm. On top of that, like you also have to take care of who you're around. Yeah. And then as a barber, you also, maybe you're, you're, you're just not bringing anybody to cut a hair inside your establishment. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's a big thing. So that's, that's a big risk, but I, I like what I heard. You know, you, you hit a roadblock. Um, you didn't blame anybody else. You took it on your shoulders. And it reminds me a lot of what I told my son. Cause I, He's, three, he's five years old. Yeah. And I try to like, sometimes I feel like I get too deep with him, but um, whenever something bad happens to him, I like to tell him, like, you know, no, this is your fault. Like, I, it might seem like it's not, but like, you have control over anything that happens to you. So if something bad happens to you, it's, it's ultimately your fault. And then the other day, something bad happened. He was in the backseat, like, I spilled something in the back car. And he goes, it's my fault, Papa. It's my fault. Yeah. I was like, it's okay, dude. It's, it's my fault, dude. It's, it's good, but it's okay. So yeah. It's funny how you say that, man. That's, that's huge because risks, um, a lot of people don't like to take risks, man. Yeah, a lot of people don't like to take risks and a lot of people don't like to take accountability. Mm -hmm. So like you said, you were teaching your son, like, you know, it's his fault. But essentially, you're not teaching him how to like, he, you're not teaching him how to like feel bad or anything about mm -hmm. what he did. More so, it's own up to mm -hmm. what you did. Like, you're in power, you're in power of whatever situation you're in, you know. Mm -hmm. You spilled it, but you could also pick it up, mm -hmm. you know. You don't have to feel too bad. It's not the end of the world. But I think accountability is like a very uh, essential thing to teach anybody, mm -hmm. uh, mostly kids because of newer generation. I think when people don't have accountability, that's when they fall into the victim mindset and they're like, oh, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? It's like, dude, it's you slippery slope. Yeah, you have more power than you think you have. Like you're you're in charge of your life. Mm -hmm. Like you what you put in, you you get out, you know, you you make you make your life or whatever situation you're in. Like if you want to slack off, then you're not going to get the best results. Mm -hmm. And if you're sitting there feeling bad for yourself, like, how are you going to get any better? Mm -hmm. You know? And it's just accountability is everything in any situation. And I think the more you grasp accountability, it helps you out with any type of relationship, mm -hmm. with any type of life situation you're in. Because, I mean, essentially, any relationship you have, it's work, you know? Mm -hmm. Even for me and you meeting just now, like, whatever whatever actions we do, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that reflects on us and accountability is what keeps us true to mm -hmm. ourselves as well. Yeah. I used, I remember the first time I kind of stepped into the accountability role was, um, I guess it was probably back in high school or in college. You know, I wasn't good with the studies and it, I don't know who said it, but it was like, if you face your problems head on, you end up realizing that they're not that big not that big so it, it, let's say I fucked up and I had to go to the principal's office and or even face my parents and you know sometimes a little white lie grows bigger and bigger but sometimes just telling them the truth hitting that problem head on you end up realizing that man it wasn't that bad yeah like, like we psych ourselves out too much so yeah accountability is huge and the victim blaming the victim mindset man I don't want to say that I hate that stuff but it does kind of grind my gears yeah 100% and I mean 
I think uh, like the situation you said, like getting in trouble with the principal or with your parents. Whatever it might be. You know? Yeah. Just, uh, I've been reading this book called The Green Light by Matthew McConaughey. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I was reading the book and one of the things that stuck to me is that when he was a kid, uh, he stole a pizza with his buddy. Mm. And uh, the people that owned the pizza parlor, they uh, they knew who they were. So they called the parents and they were like, hey, your kids stole some pizza and, you know, they didn't pay for it. So he told uh, Matthew McConaughey's uh, dad told him, like, mm. son, like, did you steal the pizza? And he was like, no, like, uh, mm. you know, I guess my friend, like, forgot to pay for it. Or mm -hmm. he's like, I'm going to ask you one more time, like, did you steal the pizza? And he stuck to the lie, like, no, like, mm -hmm. I didn't steal it. And Matthew McConaughey's dad started telling his mom, like, nope, nope, Matthew's your kid. He ain't my kid. No, my man. kid doesn't lie. No way. So he said at that time he felt like shit because he's like, dang, like his dad just wanted the truth. His mm -hmm. dad wasn't going to whoop his ass or anything like that. He just wanted the truth. Mm -hmm. He wanted to see that he was a young kid. I was learning how to own up to it. But I mean, that one lie, it's a snowball effect. Once you once you lie once, it just keeps you going. Yeah, you get comfortable with mm -hmm. it. And I, I'm a big firm believer that the truth will set you free. So mm -hmm. you're holding on to that lie. I mean, essentially, you're not just lying to others. You're lying to yourself. You're mm -hmm. not... You're not truly who you are. And I think when you're telling the truth, it, it shows really what type of person you are. Because, I mean, even if you fuck up, but if you tell the truth, people are going to trust you because mm -hmm. they, they know he owns up to it. And yeah, that's true. And it also, like, you make it worse. Yeah. Like, you make it worse. Like, you can, I don't know. Do you believe in energy? 1,000%. 1,000%. Yeah. I believe in energy wholeheartedly. And that's like, you can... You can give energy, it doesn't get destroyed, you pass it and all that stuff. And that's, that's the type of energy that I don't want in my life because it, it grows, it gets bigger. And then before you know it, you got to cover up one lie with another one. And then before you, you, it's so much pressure and then eventually you just, just break and then you lose friendships, or you lose trust. And when you could have just been honest and some people, you know, appreciate honesty, you know, yeah. what I mean? some people would prefer to be like, how do I look in this? Bro, you look fat. Ah, damn, it hurts, but like I would much rather tell you that you look fat than you go out and have somebody else be like, hey, you look fat. And I come back to you and be like, yo, man, like, how come you didn't tell me I look fat? Yeah. I mean, because it's not that bad, bro. <laughs> but that's the truth. We got to be honest with people. You have to. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I, I always tell people about the whole energy thing, too. It's your, uh, your gut feeling is real. Mm -hmm. You know, your gut feeling is real. I mean, what, they say, what, you only are able to access 5% of your brain? Mm -hmm. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, always tell, I always tell my clients in conversations we have, I'm like, if we could only access 5%, 5 of our brain, what makes you think, uh, well, we feel like the other 95 is like um, uncovered territory mm -hmm. that we've never like seen. Untouched. But, untouched. Yeah, untouched. But what if our gut feeling is the other 95, mm -hmm. you know? Because mm -hmm. I feel like that gut feeling is essentially your brain telling your body, like, don't, don't mm -hmm. do that. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, don't go that way. Don't do this. Don't do that. And I think that's what helps us out. Even, even like when you're having a, a good day and you could sense that something bad is going to happen. I feel like essentially that's your energy telling you like, Hey, mm -hmm. like you might want to kind of shift this way a little bit, but I totally believe in the whole energy thing. Yes, yeah, for true. sure. I try to, bring that up to my wife and I just say, you know, you got to just be careful with who you hang around with. Um, I've been saying this lately, the language that you use, you know yeah. what I mean? Because you can think of something, but it never becomes real until it actually comes out of your mouth. And they say like your words can make people or break people. It's either like a sword or it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very powerful. You know, your, your words bring things 
to life, you know? So that, that's another one that I'm just like, hey, be careful with what you say. Be careful with what you say around the kids. Be careful with the words that people use around you. Like, be vigilant, you know? Like, if, like you said, if your gut isn't feeling it, my wife is big on the gut, and I'm like, I'm like nah. For me, I'm like, y'all, everyone's, well, I used to be like that. Everyone's my friend. Everyone's my bro. Yeah. And she's like, no, they're acquaintances. You don't have a lot of friends. You have yeah. many acquaintances. And that one, for me, was tough because um, I very much so would trust somebody until told otherwise or treated otherwise and now that i'm getting older it's more so like no they have to give you a reason for you to trust them yeah because your time now is more valuable i can't just go out and just do some dumb stuff because time isn't even mine anymore you know what i mean i got kids i got a family i got responsibilities so it's like protect your time protect your energy protect your mind protect your peace that's one that i've been saying protect my peace even if it's like a conversation with my wife my parents if it isn't going somewhere that i needed to i'm just like you know what let me protect my peace instead away from this yeah being in so many barbershops and whatnot what have you learned what how have you been able to protect your peace because i know a few of the places that you've been to and every barbershop is different man yeah. every barbershop has its own culture every barbershop has its own vibe and one does things that others wouldn't others you know it's just totally different what have you learned through this whole process and how have you carried that into your barbershop i think what i've learned is uh what's really important to me so I had to distinguish like, okay, if I'm at this barbershop and I'm meeting all these personalities, like you said, protect your peace. So I have to tell myself what's real, what's good for me. If I see something I don't like, I tell myself like, it's not essential. Essentially, it's not a bad thing. It's probably a good example of what I don't mm, want, mm-hmm. you know? So I've been cutting hair for 10 years and it took me nine years to finally open a, open a shop but I thank God that it took me that long because now I know what I don't like. Mm-hmm. So I know what to dodge and I know what, what I do like. And I think another thing that I've learned is you got to appreciate more so what you have. Just because, like I said, learning from others and seeing the way other people handle their situations, I learned like how to appreciate what I do have. Mm-hmm. Because you cut some people... And one day they're up and the next day they're down and you start to realize like, hey, I'm, I'm blessed, I'm fortunate. And you really start to realize what's real. Like I used to be so money hungry when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Like when I was younger, I was so money hungry, but I, I kind of started to learn like that isn't real. Like money, money, yeah, essentially it's a tool to help you out in life. But I kind of told myself like, is that really what I want? Mm-hmm. Like. Is that really what I want? And I, I, I kind of tell myself, like, I'm more into experience now. And meeting different personalities, it's kind of showed me, like, okay, if this person lives this life and I feel like they're miserable, I try to kind of dissect why their life is like that. Hmm. And I think learning from other barbers the way they, they, uh, they do business, I kind of showed myself at a young age, thank God, like, okay, I can't do that. I can't party. I can't, I can't live this rock style lifestyle. That's such a a false way of living because Mm -hmm. like I said, you, you make money there and you feed your family with that money because it's a tool. So I tell myself like, okay, like once I like work and I'm done, I got to go home. Mm -hmm. Like I got to go home because it's easy to hang around. Yeah, It's so easy. You're practically working with the boys all day and it's just shooting the shit all day. And then it's easy for you to just chill, have a few beers afterwards. And then, and that's another slippery slope right there. Yeah. And I mean, I I remember I used to be able to like party till like three, four in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then my first haircut the next day was at 7am 
And I used to pull it off, like, and now I'm like, damn, it's 12 o'clock. I need to go to bed. Mm -hmm. 6 a.m. I'm dragging. I'm like, God damn. But I think uh, I think that's one of the things that I learned is just the things that I don't like is just the way some people live their life. And I'm not judging. I mean, it works for others and it doesn't it works for for others and it doesn't work for others. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell myself, like, if I want to reach my goals, I can't live life like that. I can't whether whether my goal is where I want to be in life or the relationship I want to have, you know, I don't, I'm pretty sure my lady wouldn't appreciate me staying mm -hmm. three hours after cutting hair to drink with the guys. It's just, there's nothing wrong with it, but there's, that's not, that's mm -hmm. not what she deserves. And that's not what I deserve. What I'm in charge of my future. So why would I put myself in a position for failure, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just bad habits, yeah. good habits. I try to teach myself. It's Okay, come in early. There's people that want to come in and get a haircut early in the morning. It's a beautiful way to start your day. It's a good way to kind of praise to life. Like, hey, you mm -hmm. know, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm fortunate to be able to have an appointment at 6 a.m., at 7 a.m. Really? 6 a.m., yeah. 7 a.m. appointments? I have appointments uh, every two Thursdays at uh, 5 a.m. Damn. Yeah, so I'm there at 5 a.m. I beat the sun. <laughs> what a way to start the day out with a fresh cut, though. You yeah, know what I mean? for sure. I mean, and that's the thing, too. Like, the hardest working people you, you meet. Mm. And barbering are the ones that get up super early. Mm -hmm. Hey, if you can cut my hair at 6 a.m., that's that's beautiful. I cut the hair and they give me $100. There you, you know? go, dude. So it's like, you win and I win. Dang. And I don't even charge those guys that. That's just what they feel like I deserve. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing. It's uh, If you feel like you deserve something, you work for it, you know? Because a lot of people feel like they deserve so much. But it's like, do you truly deserve that? Because... Mm. A lot of the times we feel like we deserve so much. And I think that's another thing that barbering has taught me is so many people feel like they deserve so much, but it's, you don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. You don't like, uh, some barbers, they say, man, I've had a slow week, dude. I haven't, I haven't seen you advertise yourself mm -hmm. one bit. Mm -hmm. Like you think people are just going to come to you. That's not how it works. You're not a rock star. You're not, you're not like yeah. you're essentially, you're a luxury mm -hmm. getting a haircut's a luxury. What, what's going to make you gravitate people to go to you you know mm -hmm. it's quality it's the way you you carry yourself through business mm -hmm. you know i like even with kids i was talking to one of my clients yesterday i said that any kid that sits down in my chair essentially i feel like they're my responsibility now mm -hmm. you know anything that comes out of my mouth they're gonna they're gonna absorb or how you cut their hair yeah. if you give them a bad experience they could no longer want to go get another haircut from somebody else for like sure you. You really have to... That's what I think about with my son. My son's been going to Sharky's and getting butchered, man. Butchered. <laughs> and I'm just, I told my wife, I'm like, I need to take him to a Mexican. Yeah. I needed someone that knows how to work with his hair, someone that works, knows how to work with his head. I mean, it's nice to have him sit in front of the Xbox, but whenever I ask for a comb over and they totally like, do you give him the wrong thing? I mean, he doesn't care, but for me, I'm just like, yeah, that's not right. <laughs> that's not right. But yeah, you're, you're, you're essentially right, man. We got to take care of those little kids. Yeah, you have to. And I mean... Like I said, I, uh, cutting hair is not even the thing that I look forward to. You know, I have uh, I have a client named Jeremiah. He's he's a stud. He's such a good kid. Uh, I think he's eight years old now. I haven't cut in his hair since he was two years old. No way. Yeah. Damn. So it's it's crazy seeing him like mold. That's an honor right there. Yeah, it's crazy mm -hmm. like to be a part of his life. Like essentially, I'm part of his routine. Yeah. You know, yeah, he, yeah, every yeah. two weeks he comes and gets a haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He tells me what he wants. I'm like, dang, dude, when you were two years old, like you couldn't even stand getting a haircut. Mm -hmm. Now you look forward to it. And I feel like me, I try to teach him 
certain things about life, about respect, about love, about all these things. And I see the way he carries himself with his family. And that's another beautiful thing is seeing parents with their kids. Mm. I'm like, dang, like, I like what you do with your kid. Mm. That's one thing I'm going to tell I don't have kids right now, but I'm going I'm to note that. You, you see know? yourself with kids in the future? Yeah, I love, I would love mm. to have kids one day. Nice, dude. Yeah, right now I just have three dogs. So, no, that's yeah. it. I mean, I mean, everything with its own time. You can't rush it. You know, uh, you still have a process. You probably still have things you want to do. Before then, I personally had always seen myself with kids. Like, I was always the type that was like, uh, how, how can I explain it? A hopeless romantic, bro, because I always wanted to be, I wanted to, I saw myself married with kids and established, because that's what I saw my grandpa with. You know, my grandpa had, both of them had like 10, 7 kids. Yeah. They're all here in Oklahoma City, so if somebody has a birthday party, we're like 150 plus just getting together. And I would see my grandpa, and I'd be like, that's what being rich is right there. It's not yeah, about the money. It's about it's being that old and still having your 150 kids, family, just gather around for, for, for a birthday party. Like, you can't get that with money. And that's what I, I had always strived for. I was like, I'm going to have kids. I'm gonna, now I got the kids. I'm blessed. Blessed, blessed, blessed. I remember on my 30th birthday or my 31st birthday, we didn't do anything special, but I was just crying in my living room. And my wife was like, what's wrong? I'm going to start crying right now. Um, but I was telling her, I was like... I could die tomorrow and be happy as hell because I have everything that I want. You know, got my yeah. kids, got my wife, got my house, got my dog, just got a hamster. Um, everyone's eating. There's nothing that my kids need. Sure, we don't got a huge house. We don't have the best toys. But like for a kid, like he, he has everything he needs, yeah. everything he needs. So that to me, I was like, I can always see myself like that. So and then it's like the next question, like, so what's next? You know, next yeah. I told my wife, I was like, dude, if I can be blessed to be a grandpa, pfft, that's the ultimate right there like that it's weird how i don't see material things but now it's like what do you want in your future i want to be a grandpa but my yeah. kids five and three so it's still a long way to go and now i see other grandpas and i'm just like you got to do a lot of good work for for you to be a grandpa i mean people become grandpas for the wrong reasons you know some people mess up and have kids earlier on but it's a big ass journey man it's a for big sure. ass journey i don't know if you ever watched the godfather no, I haven't. Oh, I haven't. man, you have I'm to slacker, watch it. I'm a slacker, bro. You have to watch it. Yeah. I think I think that's one of the movies that kind of, like, changed my life, honestly. Mm. But uh, Don Vito, he's, the, like, the main guy. But he oh, he he's all about family. Mm. Like, all about family. His his kids, uh, in one of the scenes, uh, Santino speaks uh, without being asked. And he tells... Uh, so they're negotiating a deal. And his son buds in and gives his input and he says like you know i've been spoiling my son too much sometimes he gets carried away and he speaks when he's not supposed to speak mm -hmm. oh that's 30 minutes Ooh. this thing right here is going to come in clutch because sometimes i forget and it starts recording all right spoiled it's hard not to spoil your kids though bro because when you love your yeah. kids you want to give them everything that you didn't have and then you start realizing that every time you go to walmart you got to give them something if not they throw tantrums yeah, but it's all habits. Uh, I, um, so, like, with my dogs, I'm really big on training dogs. I always tell people, like, uh, having a dog is good, but having a trained dog is great. Mm -hmm. So, I think habits, because kids are kind of like, I'm not trying to be messed up, but kids are kind of like puppies. Mm -hmm. Like, No, I hear you. Yeah, they'll train you. If you don't, if you're, if you don't stick to your boots, mm -hmm. they're going to train you. Give them habits, routines. Like, yeah. And it's, I, the most important thing, too, is, like, if you get mad at your dog, if you get mad at your kid for doing something that they're not supposed to do, it's like I said to you, it's like, that's all accountability. That's not their fault. That's yeah. your fault for not teaching them what they're supposed to be doing. So, it, yeah, 
just you got to do better period yeah but like i was saying with the with like the movie the godfather he uh he he teaches his kids like don't speak against the family mm. you know if if there's something you want to say against the family tell tell me behind closed doors like mm. don't ever speak in front of others because then they're going to know that we're quick to turn on each other mm. so that was one of the things he teaches but it's crazy because uh you know they're part of the mafia and everything but he he tells his kids like you can't be a man like he tells them do you spend time with your family and he says good well he says do you spend time with your family he says yes i do he says good because a man that doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man mm. and i was like dang that's that's, truth. that's true you know mm. if you don't spend time with your with your family like who, what does that say about you? Yeah, what you role do I mean? you play in your mm -hmm. family? You know, you have to be the leader. You have to be there and experience things with your family and kind of, you know, you're the, you're the head. So mm -hmm. if you're not there, then who is, you know? Oh, that's the truth. And then you got dudes that start families and for whatever reason end up starting other families. And yeah. that starts a whole ripple of problems. And like, I believe that hurt people hurt people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That And it's basically like if somebody's <clears throat> doing something wrong, obviously something happened to them. So it's like, it's it's crazy how life is just just boils down to those, these little decisions that you don't think are important, but in reality have big ripples in people's lives. And a bad decision for one person can affect so many people and other people's decisions. There's so many shootings that go on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like someone's just upset. You know, a little hey, good morning, or a little act of kindness goes so far for people that just don't receive it. Yeah. So man. We talked about being a man and um, what do you think being a man is in this day and age? Because with social media going around, people's brains are getting washed and there's all this, especially on social media now with these topics of men. I don't know if you've seen it, but like yeah. my TikTok feed and all this other stuff has just been a lot of guys just going against girls and just telling them about how men are more oppressed than women and all that stuff. And they're not wrong, but I don't think that's the right game to be playing. You know yeah, I, mean? I don't. I don't think it's a. I don't think the way that you could solve those type of conversations is by pointing fingers. You mm -hmm. know, I think it's more so trying to find like common ground. You know, I just I just want you to understand why I'm saying what I'm saying, and I want to understand why you're saying what you're saying, and hopefully we could find an agreement in the middle. But I think uh, being being a man is a touchy subject because we always get compared to the past. You mm -hmm. know, like oh they don't make men like they do in the fifties. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's like no, I think men have been kind of the same for centuries. I think introducing technology has kind of changed things. You know, people pe people are really, like, quick to falsify, like, who they really are. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, you're not truly who you are. But I think, I think being a man is... Uh, I guess for you, not in general. Yeah, for, you. for me, uh, I, was telling, uh, I was telling somebody uh, yesterday that when it, like... When you're when you're being like to be a man and like let's say me for my situation, I gotta be honest to myself first. Mm -hmm. So I gotta tell myself like what is it that I truly want, and then respect comes a lot like a long mm -hmm. ways too. So if I'm somebody that's quick to disrespect somebody and feel like they have to respect me, that's not good because I want to leave a print, you know, in my name, mm -hmm. you know, because one day I'm gonna pass away and people are either gonna remember you for being a good guy or for being a douche, you know. Mm -hmm. What do they say? It's like people don't remember what you say. They remember how you made them feel. Yeah, one 100 percent. So like me with my lady, of course, there's like a balance. You know, there's there's feminism and masculinity. And there's times, 
you're gonna have feminine moments you know you're gonna access your emotions and you're gonna be like dang like you you get you get in your feels Mm -hmm. and you kind of depend on your your lady to kind of like balance that out and be like hey it's okay like Mm -hmm. things are gonna be all right and vice versa there's gonna be days that your lady has a bad day and you got to be the logical person the masculinity Mm -hmm. and kind of uplift her and be like hey it's all right and i think like that's been one of the craziest things for me is like me i'm not i'm I'm not quick to say, oh, I'm a man. No, I'm, I'm still learning how to be a man every day. Mm. You know, you, you, you don't stop learning. You, you slowly figure out that some things you do are wrong. Mm-hmm. You've been doing it for so long, you don't even see that it's a, it's a wrong. Mm-hmm. So, like with me, I want to have kids one day. But maybe I haven't had kids yet for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe God is still working with me. Mm-hmm. Maybe God is still like, hey, there's still some things I want you to figure out. Because... Mm-hmm. I want my kids to see me and be like, hey, I want to be that. Mm. Like, I want to be, I think that's probably the best feeling, you know, your kids being able to look up to you like, man, my dad used to do this. Mm. My dad's always been an honest guy. Mm. My dad's always been hardworking. He's always been loving. He's always been the leader, you know. Mm -hmm. During hard times, he was the one that held us together. Like, I want that. I don't want my kids to be like, oh, he made so much money. Like, Mm -hmm. no, that's not real. Like, the love, the love you have for the i guess the the man in your life like let's say you with your father with your grandpa you were you inherit third ways mm. you know you don't you don't look forward like i don't look forward to inheriting money i don't i look forward to inheriting things my dad has taught me mm. because whatever good my dad did i'm gonna absorb that and that's implement right. that into my kids mm. and that's just gonna keep going there's probably things that my dad did with me that his great-great-grandfather did with his great-grandfather, you know? Mm-hmm. There's just those little things that stick. So, like, me as a man, I try to, like, I try to make myself be a good impact o- upon my family. I don't even care so much about others. You know, my family is sacred to me, you know? That's that's everything to me. Like, when I was younger, I used to, like, eh, I don't really hang out with my brother or whatever. But now I'm older, I'm like, I have a brother, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we play roles in each other's life essentially i'm supposed to trust him with my life and he's supposed to trust me with his life mm-hmm. i got younger siblings and i have to tell myself like i gotta i gotta show them right from wrong as well i gotta teach them good habits i gotta lead them with my lady i have to make the good decisions for both of us not just for me i can't be selfish you can you can't be selfish in those situations because you got to say is it good for her is it good for me and i think that's another thing that's good for being like the ultimate telling yourself like I'm a man is you got to let go of selfishness mm-hmm. you have to be the leader you have to not find what's just good for you but what's good for everybody else even if it's, if it's not what you want it's what's good for the moment what's mm-hmm. good for the situation you know what I mean I feel you 1000% you got to put yourself last to put everybody else first and then we talked about family and you know all that but it's also being a good example for everyone else you know everyone that goes yeah. to get your haircut with you probably looks forward to you because they know the type of man that you are and you know that that rubs off on people like you know yeah. people like to be make feel good and and whatnot so yeah i wholeheartedly feel you but it's hard dude yeah i mean it, it just comes back to like protecting your energy like i tell my la- like when i first met my lady she didn't really know too much people and me being a barber like i'm not even trying to sound cocky i just know a lot of people yeah, i know exactly and, i play soccer so it's like yeah. whenever soccer people see each other they're just like what's up or you can't go to the indoor without just being like clap 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 you know but yeah yeah and i, t- I tell her like you're gonna meet some people 
and they're going to seem real nice and you're going to, but it's, it's, it's a mask, Mm. you know, that's not who they really are. You know, you got to protect yourself. So even when I introduce my lady to people, I'm like, I got to be careful, you know, because you never know, like some people might want what you have Mm -hmm. and some people might want to, they're secretly your enemy and you don't even know it, you know? I know I, I had a few people that I thought were my friends back when I was dating my wife and then talk about real she told me like hey like this guy was basically yeah. like to me like you, you really with this guy like you know let me yeah. let me court you and all this other stuff and I was like really but yeah dude that's the truth what do they say I've always liked the saying that they um, say is uh, you gotta keep your enemies your friends close but your enemies closer and what they mean by that is because you know where your enemy stands your enemies you know you know you exactly where they stand and if an enemy wants to become a friend they have to gain your trust yeah they need to work on that as opposed to a friend who thinks he already has your trust can easily more easily betray you than a friend yeah so it's like you really got to be careful with who you hang around with or blend your energy with i feel like this is all a bunch of uh, the 48 laws of power you ever hear that i book? have you uh, read that book man yeah i was reading it um uh, you know aaron bias yeah i took that book one time <laughs> as i was reading it <laughs> waiting, waiting for a cut by av and av goes that's a dangerous book right that's there, man. That's a dangerous man. book. It's not a dangerous book, bro. I think, I think you just need to be... Those lessons are good for you to take. You might practice them, you might not, but it's always good to know what to look for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some of those little rules are, are so, 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 so great. And you just more so, as opposed to using them against people, you just don't want people to use them against you. Yeah. You know I mean? And I think that's one of those books, too. I'm sorry for cutting you no, off. No, I think those are one of those... There's books out there that you don't read. They read mm-hmm. you, you know? You're That's like, true. oh, damn. Like, I was reading a little bit of 48 uh, Laws of Power when I was on a road trip. I was doing the Audible, and I was just listening to things, and I'm like, it kind of compromises, like, yeah. people around you. Like You start seeing things yeah, that you, you start know. seeing that you didn't know. And, and that's another thing. Uh, the devil was once an angel, man. Mm. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm. The devil doesn't disguise itself as what you don't like. It's going to disguise itself as what you do like. That's true. So you got to be aware of, like, protecting yourself, little Mm -hmm. things like that. So I always, like, same thing with me. Like, my lady, she she meets a lot of people now, and I tell her, like, hey, you know, you're such a nice person, but people are going to find that as, like, an opening to, Mm -hmm. like, target you. Or to use you, yeah, or take to take advantage you. of you. I feel like that's the same thing my wife would tell me. My wife is very good at reading people, feeling people out, and I'm not. I'm just like, oh, a new friend, like, oh, you need something? I'm there. I'll help you out. I'm yeah. very nice until proven otherwise. And I mean, that's a good way to live, but I mean, you'll get hurt. You yeah, know, you, sure. yeah. And that's what I'm like. I tell my lady, like, you got to have your guard up. Mm. Be nice, but have your guard up. Yeah, yeah. You know, because like I said, people... Like, you might think they're your friends, but in the long run, they're not. Everybody has their own pers- reasons to do things, you know what I mean? Yeah, for so, yeah, sure. You know, that's that's one book that I, for me, was just like, 48 Laws of Power. Like, that's one that I recommend a lot of people to read. Another book that I really liked, and I brought this up before with somebody else, was The Four Agreements. You ever Yeah, I've read, read The that Four one? Agreements. That one is very, very, very impactful. Because what, what are The Four Agreements? Be I, impeccable with your word. Always do your best. Don't assume. Don't assume. Never yeah. take anything personal. That one was huge. That was very Man. huge. How um, someone else's bad day isn't on you. It's really on them. And you should never take anything personal. That one was very, very eye-opening. What other books for you have been like impactful? 
the the book that I always catch myself going back to is uh, The Way of the Superior Man mm. by David Data. Mm. Uh, I found out about that book through one of uh, Nipsey Hussle's interviews. Okay. But I started reading that book and it, it talks about the balance of masculinity and feminism. Mm. So it kind of tells you how to target like certain situations you have in your relationship. Mm. Because like, like I said, I'm a big fan of like the Godfather and the Godfather is all about family. And so like my lady, she's my tribe, you know, mm. she's, she's the, the female head of my future family. So I wanted to read that book because I wanted to understand like why masculinity and feminism is balanced. And I think that book really helped me out with relationships because uh, they say that like feminism's a uh, emotion. Mm. And masculinity is logic. Mm. And I know that could be like a big, uh, what do they call it? Uh, it could be like a big mischief. People are going to be like, oh, why does masculinity have to be logic? It's like, mm. no, like it's just leading roles. So like sometimes my lady's having an emotional day or just anybody. It could be your best friend's having an emotional day. And let's say he's having a bad day and you start like attacking his emotion with emotion. It's not going to go well, you know, mm. same thing with masculinity like some people think you know oh i'm i'm masculine and it's like you don't have to say you're masculine mm -hmm. to be masculine you know mm -hmm. just just balance yourself you're all right allow yourself to feel the way you feel but don't take that out on others as well you got to be logical with your emotions you can't just react off of emotion all the time mm -hmm. feel it understand it and learn from it mm -hmm. and that's what I, that's one of that's been one of the hard things for me because sometimes i'm I'm having a bad day and it's quick for me to come home and, you know, Just take it out, take on, it out on somebody that doesn't deserve it, you know? And she'll tell me like, hey, if you're having a bad day, like, tell me you're having a bad day. Let me know why you're having a bad day so I can understand why you feel that way. Don't just come in the house and like, oh, like just start tossing and turning and yeah. doing like, don't do that. Mm -hmm. So I think that book really helped me how to like uh, manage myself in any type of circumstance with like relationships. Mm -hmm. Because even then, like, it helped me understand her, too, you mm. know? And like I said, a lot of behaviors that we learn, we learn from our parents, you know? So there's something she does, and I'm like, I dissect it. Mm. I understand it. I understand why she's feeling that way. And I'm like, hey, like, you know, don't react to it this way. Mm -hmm. This is the way you've been taught. Mm -hmm. Don't react to it this way. React this way instead and it'll help you out. That's a whole process, though. It's a whole process. I, I know. I hear you. I feel you. And there's times where I want to be like, hey, this, this, and that. But I realize that sometimes it's best not to say anything at that time. You know, it's just, you have to figure out when is a good time to say it. If you say what you mean and it gets taken the wrong way, it could make things worse. And man, that's a delicate game to be playing there. Yeah, and I mean, in the book, too, there's, a, there's a part in the book where it says like, um, where the male and the female, like in a relationship, they were having an argument. And the girl was... You know, she was mad. And the guy says, like, to be the logical one in the relationship, like, yeah, you might feel like you were right and she was wrong, but fix it. You know, mm -hmm. fix it. Don't stick to your pride. Fix it. You know, there's times where you're just going to have to hug her, tell her I love you, pick her up, spin her, whatever. Even if it's your fault. Even if it's your fault. Mm -hmm. Or even if you know she's wrong, yeah. just do it. You know, it's going to fix the situation. It's going to fix your peace. Mm -hmm. And there's times me and my lady are mad at each other and I'm like, dude, come give me a hug, mm -hmm. you know, and I give her a hug and it fixes it. You know, we just saved ourselves, 
saved ourselves all this time of dodging each other all day hours yeah maybe a day or two and tomorrow's not promised so if you go to sleep mad at each other i mean there's gonna be times you like go to sleep mad at each other i mean let's be realistic there's gonna be times you're mad at her for three three days you know it's it sticks with you you have the right to feel how you feel but you know tomorrow isn't promised so if I don't wake up in the morning after mm-hmm. we argued and say, you know, good morning, I love you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I'm going to work. What if you just died on your way to work? Mm-hmm. You know? That's the truth, man. It's, it's not worth it. So I think that's one of the things the book has, like, really taught me is just, you know, don't take things for granted. Don't, think, don't take things personal, kind of like the four agreements. Don't and don't assume, you know? It's, mm-hmm. it's helped me out a lot. And like I said, you're never done maturing. Even my lady, she's kind of taught me how to handle situations, too, because... Like, I noticed my dad, when he gets mad, he's just quiet. That's my dad, too. Yeah, he's just quiet. He just goes about his day. And I'm like that. But then my lady's like, I don't deserve that. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't deserve that? She's like, if you're mad, tell me, mm-hmm. hey, I'll get back to you when I'm ready. Or, hey, I'm, you know, let me, let me have my space for an hour. Let me think about how I truly feel. And then we could talk. She's right. Yeah. But I would much rather you be quiet than take it out on people that's yeah. one thing i don't like is whenever someone's mad and then they start taking it out little microaggressions on people and it's just like hey because ultimately who that ends up affecting are your closest people i don't know if you've ever noticed that whenever you get upset and you get microaggressions those come out on the people you care about the most because when you're around strangers you you want to be like ah, you know i'll, I'll take yeah. it away for the strangers but when you get home, you start acting all messed up. And it's just like, why are you bringing that here with me when you don't do that with strangers? Yeah. Like, you're going to hurt somebody that you love the most and then treat strangers completely fine. You know, like, yeah. that's totally opposite. Well, that's not the opposite. You shouldn't be treating people bad, period. But, like, I've noticed that amongst people, like, that, that, that's just not cool. And you become real passive aggressive, too, mm-hmm. in those situations, you know. So, like, me, I, I tell my lady, like, hey, like, the reason I've done that for so long, like, where I get mad and I, like, just walk away, is because I believe everything comes with a consequence. So I might say something at the moment. I'm like, damn, why did I say the that? Words, yeah, yeah, like, why did I say that? Because it's going to stick with her forever. You know, I might not have felt like that at the moment, but it's just like, damn, I can't believe I just said that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I listen to a lot of Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he's been getting a lot of heat recently. He too, gets huh? so much heat. But uh, I was uh, I was reading one of his books. I forgot the name of it because he has so many. But I was listening to the Audible mm-hmm. and it says that we're, uh, when you hold so much in as a man, like in situations like with your lady, essentially one day you're going to toxic vomit. Mm-hmm. So, it's all gonna come out, and you're not gonna be able yeah. to stop vomiting until yeah. you're done. <laughs> until you're done. By the time you get done vomiting, you're gonna realize that you just made a big mess. That in some cases you might not be able to clean up. Yeah, like you might leave stains somewhere, and you know those stains might just ruin a relationship. Yeah, and that's what like that's what I learned th- uh, listening to Jordan Peterson. Like, mm-hmm. if something bothers you, say it. Because if you keep holding it, and let's say two weeks later you guys get in another argument, you're like. Well, two weeks ago, you did this. And bringing up the past on somebody is not fair. You know, it's not fair. So it's like, well, you used to do this. You used to do this. And you start bringing up all this stuff. (laughs) And my lady, I remember I did that once. And my lady was like, well, why didn't you tell me then and there? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's because, you know, I wanted to, like, digest what I was going through or dissect what I was going through and then tell you. She's like, like, dude, that's already been two weeks and we're about to argue about it again. You know, we could have like settled this a long time ago or you want to bring it up now. 
Yeah, the reason and, I don't bring up things is because she's always better at bringing up things than I am, and I have terrible <laughs> memory. So I'm just like, if I start playing this game, I lose every time. So I'm just gonna shut up and not say shit. <laughs> That's how I am too. Like we could have an argument like mm-hmm. two hours ago, and I'd be like, "Babe, you said this." She's like, "I didn't say that. I said this." And I'm like, "Did she say that?" I don't think. They, <laughs> I don't think. That, I think they just. I, I've seen them play cards and then just stick with it and. Uh, I've, I've caught in a few <laughs> lies before. I'm just like, that's not true. But you said it so convincingly. And it's just, it's weird, man. I don't, I don't know, man. Girls are a lot better at that game than guys are. Yeah, they're so way know. smarter when it comes to that yeah, game. Yeah, that's, that's a losing game for me. I don't play that game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why, that's why, like, now, like, if something bought, like, the other day, uh, we were talking about, uh, we were arguing about something. Oh, yeah. Uh, she was on her, we were on her way. Hmm. So my truck broke down and she was going to drop me off at work. And she started doing her makeup, like, on the road. Oh, and I'm like, bro, what the hell? And usually I'll just stay quiet, drop me off at, home, at work, and i just go on about my day. But she was like, is something wrong? And I was like, I'm annoyed. <laughs> and she just looked at me like, oh, you're annoyed? But at the same time, I told her, like, you can't get mad. You tell yeah. me to tell you how I, feel. how I feel. And I'm letting you know how I feel. Like, I'm annoyed. And yeah, like later on, you know, we told each other like, okay, like, sorry, you know, we, we made it bigger than what it was, you know? And like I said, I'm just learning, you know, I'm not as mature as I think I am, you know? That's the truth, man. Moral of the story here for the people that are listening, relationships are work. 24-7, 24-7. And then you have kids and it's even more work because when I had kids, I started acting in ways that I didn't know I was going to act. What I mean by that is, I'll give you an example. You speak Spanish and English, right? Mm-hmm. You ever think about what language you'll speak to your kids? I mean, I don't have kids. No, no, but when oh, you have what? kids. Oh, like yeah, I want to speak. Kids. I want to speak to them in Spanish. Yeah, I, I want that to be their first language. I thought I, I, I remember think I never thought what language I would speak to my kids. But whenever I had kids, I realized that I would speak to them in English sometimes and in Spanish and others. And then one day I really started reflecting. I'm like, why am I saying things in Spanish and others in English? And I ended up realizing that the words that I was using in Spanish were the language that my parents were using to me. Yeah. And everything else in between, I would just fill it in with English because that was my first language. Yeah. Well, I don't know which one of the two my first language is. You know, Mexican-Americans, ni uno ni el otro. Like, it's mochalo all the way around. But yeah, that's... And then her habits from her parents. And then at one point, we just had, a, had to sit down and have a conversation about how she was brought up, how I was brought up, so that she knew why I did what I was doing and why... You know, for me to understand why she was doing what she was doing. Because then you have to break it down and then be like, how are we going to raise our kids? And then the kids come and they don't let you raise them the way you want them. And you got to pivot the whole time. It's a mess, bro. <laughs> it's yeah. a fun mess, though. And I, uh, I see, like, families. And I, I really admire, like, parents, you know. Because, mm-hmm. I, like, I, I'm a firm believer in God. And I always tell myself, like, I was telling one of my clients yesterday. Because he's a new guy and he's saying that he reads the Bible pretty often. Mm. And we started talking about kids because he wanted to have more kids. And I was telling him, uh, I don't I don't firmly believe that kids are ours. You know, I think God borrows them. Like, he lets us borrow them. Yeah, and, for a little bit. Yeah. That's true. And you're just a teacher. Mm-hmm. You got to teach them. And one of my other buddies, Casey, his name is Casey Gray. He's a really, very smart guy. He was telling me that he did the math one day of how much time he spends at work, how much time the kids spend at school, mm. and how much time they go to sleep. He said he did the math, and in 18 years, he only truly gets to spend five years with his kids. So in five years, you got to mold your kids to be who they are and fit into society, you know? It's depressing, bro. And it's crazy. 
I, I got a lot of parental anxiety when my son turned three, four. Basically, when he became an age to be able to go to Head Start. Yeah. And knowing that as a random stranger was going to be taking care of my kid and understanding that random people have bad days. Yeah. And I was just so afraid that, you know, shit happens. You know, a teacher can come in, have a bad day, take it out of your kid and your kid's not going to know what the heck is going on. Yeah. But that's why they say the mo- the first four or five years are the most important in a kid's life. And that's what me and my wife say is like, if anything, let's just be present as much as we can for the first four or five years. Yeah. And then after that, I mean, just try to spend as much time with them. But I feel what your friend says because... I work from 12 to 8, and my son goes to school, so I'll take him to school, work 12 to 8, I'll get off at 8, and I get to spend like two hours with him if I don't have anything else that I need to be doing. Yeah. And then he goes to sleep, and it starts all over again. So that's two hours, five days a week. That's 10 hours out of five days during the week. Yeah. My daughter, thankfully, she's three. She hasn't started school since I work from home. I'm basically with her all day. But like, dad, dude, that's depressing. Yeah, and... I, and uh. Like, me and my lady, we always talk about how we're going to raise our kids when we have kids. And the one thing we, like, ultimately agree with is we want the kids to fully understand that we're both leaders. Mm. Like, I'm not above her and she's not above me. So if she ever gets them in trouble, I don't, I'm never going to, I told her, I'm like, if you're getting them in trouble, I'm not going to come in and tell them, tell you, like, hey, like, calm down. I'm going to tell you behind closed doors, like, hey, I think you could have done this different with the kids. Mm. Like, you spoke to them this way. But I'm not going to challenge them in front of the kids because then the kids are going to be like, well, mm-hmm. who runs this house? Mm-hmm. You know, like, is she mm-hmm. like, you know, does she hold power? Because then they're going to just start coming to the dad or they'll mm-hmm. just start coming to the mom. And I told her, like, we'll never challenge each other in front of the kids. And the other thing, too, I think. what That's a good one. Yeah. And what I've learned, too, with uh, just with my siblings is all four of us are different. Mm-hmm. Well, five of us, we're all different. So. You can't teach one kid the same way as you teach the other one. Mm-hmm. They're born with different personalities. That's true. It's crazy. Like, That's you, true. you see a newborn baby at, let's say, two months old, and he'll still have the same behavior. Yeah, personality mm-hmm. when he's three years old. And they all, and I think being born into Mexican homes, which is a blessing, but mm-hmm. I think our parents treat us all the same you know like so i mean the guys could say that but i feel like girls are being like no that's not true my mom treats me differently than she does my brothers i heard my sister say that all the time but i think that's also because uh women have emotions you Mm. know they're more the they feel more than than we have to we're raised to be logical and Mm -hmm. you know be tough so we always think like no but like we try we're taught to avoid our emotions, mm. you know, but essentially it just makes us bottle it all up even mm. more. So like with my little, we only have one girl in our family, uh, one girl in, like, and four boys. And four boys. Mm-hmm. So she's completely different mm-hmm. than us. And we're way harder on her because we have to tell, like we tell her like, dude, the world is not mm-hmm. what you think it is. Like shit's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I have my sister. It's three boys, one girl. And my, I'm the oldest and it's her. Then it's Nani and Juel. But her being around a whole bunch of boys has made her hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because she does not take shit from anybody. But to get back at what we had said, I think it's all about cultures, man. Yeah. Cultures, cultures. Because our parents, my, both my parents came from Mexico. And I can see why they would raise my daughter differently from the guys, you know? Yeah. My brother can come home and be like, I'm hungry. Aquí está tu plato. My, daughter, my sister comes home and is like, I'm hungry. Pues ponte a hacer algo. Caliente tortillas. Yeah. Or something like that. And that's true. And... 
then it makes me think of like how we will raise our kids. Yeah. You know, as a first generation Mexican American, my son's gonna be raised completely different from how I was raised to how my parents were raised. You know what I mean? And all that in between, it's just I don't like to think about it too much because it's just a bad rabbit hole. We just have yeah. to take it day by day, time by time, be For present. Sure. But like cultures, man, cultures, cultures. You ever think about what yeah. How your kid will be raised? Because this whole social media thing is just crazy, crazy, crazy. It, it scares me. Um, so, like me, ever since I've been a kid, I really get deep into my thoughts. Mm. Like, very, very deep. Like, uh, I've always, I don't know, like, I've always loved getting deep into my thoughts, but it always, it hurts you at the same time. Yeah, because yeah, you start to get a lot of realization. But, like, me and my lady, we were driving to go eat one day. Look at that clutch. Yeah, that means we've been here for an hour already. <laughs> feels like 10 minutes i used to get deep too man i feel like i used to be a lot deeper when i was a kid when i was a little kid i'd be able to look up at the stars and be like why mm-hmm. you know why here you know why why just why yeah but i was telling my lady the other day we were driving to a restaurant and i told her i was afraid hmm. i was like i'm scared she was like why i was like what it what if we have a kid what are we bringing them to Mm-hmm. You know, what are we bringing to them? Are they going to be able to live or are they going to kind of be a part of a system that is, you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, it, it could be like kind of like a slave like system. You're mm-hmm. just playing a role. Like, what are we bringing them to? You know, kids that are like stuck on their tablets, like I feel like they become brain dead. They don't mm. you know, they, they do become creative in some aspects, but they're not wild. They don't get to experience life of mm-hmm. what they're. That, top, that tablet is robbing them of living a life, you know, being free. I was telling my lady yesterday that I want to have kids with jacked up knees. Mm, why? You know? Why jacked up Because I want them to be able to go ride a bike and bust their ass, you oh, know? okay, I see what you're saying. You know, yeah, I want yeah, them to yeah, jump yeah, yeah. on a trampoline and they accidentally fall off. I want them to be able to climb a tree and, like, mm. fall off the tree. I want them to experience life. I want them to see these things. I... I've been cutting hair for 10 years. I haven't even heard of one of my kid clients climb a tree. Really? No, but they all know what Fortnite is. That's true, You know, bro. And it's crazy because when I was a kid, I loved climbing trees. That's I remember true. we I used to climb to the very top. And I was just like, chill. I would, yeah, I'd chill, just feel so free. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, so yeah, free. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm just like, dang, like, but I want my kids to experience that so mm-hmm. bad. And I, I tell my lady, like, what's to, what's to come in the next 10 years? You know, mm-hmm. like what's to happen? And I think it's not a good way of thinking things. No, it's not. I, I'm going to completely disagree with you there. Yeah. Because it all falls on your shoulders. Yeah. You, know? you could think like, life is terrible. I'm not going to bring kids into this life. And if everybody thought like that, we'd be gone. We'd yeah. be extinct. You know what I mean? We have to have hope that, you know, that there's good out there. Like you said, the tablet could be robbing them of their infancy, of their creativity. Or I play devil's advocate. It, it could be feeding it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I got a tablet, but I love to draw on it. Love to draw on it. And I, my son loves to draw, so I'll give him a tablet. My wife used to be like, no, let him draw on paper. Like, let him draw on paper. He doesn't need a tablet to draw. But I was just saying, like, we got to kind of move with what we have nowadays, you know? Like, yeah. maybe it'll help him develop something else. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's say our kids aren't climbing trees anymore. Well, fuck it. I'll climb a tree with my son then. You know? Or, yeah, because I feel like, like, even... Uh, I'm not a parent yet. I mean, mm-hmm. you're a parent... I feel like it's more about regulating too. You know, you yeah. don't you don't want them to get too deep into those things too. You know, probably give the kid a tablet for forty minutes now. Monitor it, and it's easier Mon- now because yeah. 
I have a, my Google app will let me know that my son's been on it for 25 minutes and it'll cut him off. Like, yeah, sure. There's all these things, but like you have to monitor it as a parent. You can't just leave your kid alone with YouTube because the suggestions will have them going down a dark rabbit hole. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like they'll have them watching things that they're not supposed to. And I've seen that, you know, you can leave your kid with on YouTube and he'll be fine. But if you don't monitor it, then of course, like they're going to fall down and yeah. watch some bad stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. It's crazy, dude. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. I remember this, I can't believe I'm going to talk about this, but like the first time I had ever seen, uh, I don't know if I can say this, I'll beep it out. Porn yeah. was at a friend's house and I was probably like in elementary school and he brought it up and I always think about myself like, dang, like when will that come across my son? And it's just now everything's so accessible, but I just don't want to be scared. I want to be prepared. I want to be able to, instead of being on the side that's like, no, we're not going to use it. No, I'm going to use it and I'm going to make sure that you're using it the right way. I'll buy a video game for my son. And I always like to play it first, not because I love video games and that's just what I do. I play it first. No, it's just because I like to make sure that it's good for him. Yeah. I don't, I'm, it has to be his level. And if it's not, then I'm going to be right there and explain it to him why this is good, why this is bad. And yeah. I mean, you're right. It could be bad, but I, I want to have hope. Yeah. Cause even uh, back to the topic of the first time you had seen it, mm -hmm. um, I think it's just crazy because when I was a kid, like, you would see it on a magazine, you know, mm -hmm. and now like you can hop on Instagram and it's you can hop on it's Twitter. There. You can yeah. pull up your phone and have it there in like 10 seconds. And it's there. And it's just the accessibility of it. Mm -hmm. It's insane. It's just and I don't think it's a good thing. You know, mm -hmm. I think it, it could be very toxic and it's just it's crazy how times change. Mm -hmm. And I I think uh, we're overstimulated so much, mm -hmm. you know, like me and my lady were real big on hiking. We hike a mm -hmm. lot. Like we try to travel to like Utah, Arizona. We try to go to these spots and just explore. And what I realize is when I'm at these places, I realize how overstimulated I am because mm. I don't have signal out there. Mm -hmm. And it's just like I get to I get to admire a breeze. Mm. I get to admire the trees moving, the river passing by. Like I get to admire these things and I'm like, dang, we're so overstimulated by these things. Like my lady, she uh, she she models mm. and. I get so proud of her because sometimes she tells herself, like, I want to post this picture, but I don't think it's a good time for me right now. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why? She's like, because I don't want to catch myself being worried about how much likes I'm going to get, about how many comments I'm going to get. She's like, I'm just going to wait a little bit. And she'll wait, but I'm just like, dang, that's crazy. That's We're overstimulated mm -hmm. in that aspect. Like, how much, how much um, what's it called? Um, man, what's the word? I forgot what the word is. Like, you're you're searching for um, validation. Validation, mm. and I think that just overstimulates your your heart and your brain because mm -hmm. your self esteem. Yeah, you like you're you're letting yourself. that control you so much that you don't even realize like it's a parasite. You mm -hmm. know, it's just taking. It's not real. Yeah, it's not real. It's taking control of you. So now like she'll post a picture and she'll delete instagram mm. and she was like i'll hop on it in two days i'm like dang because she doesn't want to catch herself on that stuff mm. and we'll go out like i said we go hiking and i'm just like how many people don't experience this you know this is real like you get to experience this even a, even a camera can't even absorb the mm -hmm. experience like it doesn't do no 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 justice you're out there and you're like Dang, like I tell people all the time, you need to go see the Grand Canyon. Because mm -hmm. when you see the Grand Canyon, you realize how little you are, mm. like, and how real, 
life is like mm. dang like i could be experiencing this this is real like everything i go through on social media is just overstimulated because mm-hmm. technology advances so much i don't think we get to evolve at the same rate and it's evolving a lot faster and it's evolving a lot faster and we're like trying to play catch up you know mm-hmm. and it's just we're never going to catch up to it mm-hmm. it's just it's always going to be ahead of us mm-hmm. and i think that's not like the i don't think that's too good for us you know mm-hmm. i think it's a tool like social media you can use it for advertising for podcasts i think i think podcasts are one of the most i think uh beautiful things right now mm-hmm. that's going on with social media because you're able to see conversations that you mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to see 20 years ago mm-hmm. you know people have perspectives on people that they might not know and getting to hear them for an hour and a half really breaks down those perspectives that people think they might have of you like oh look there's david el creído the guy that cuts good hair has no time for people and then they get to listen to you and they're just like that guy's real he's human yeah Yeah. he's human he's just like me yeah and i i think that's i think that's a beautiful thing telling yourself i'm just human you know there's there's gonna be some people are gonna have thoughts about you but if you can catch yourself and just saying like i am who i am like Mm -hmm. you gotta like Stay true to yourself. Experience things that are going to help you. Mm. Don't poison yourself. You know, don't overstimulate yourself. Take care of yourself. And I think, like I said, cutting hair, I think I've made so much money off of it, Mm. but I don't have none of it. So it's like, if you're working so much for that, like, is it really what you want? Is money what you you really want? I used, like I said, I used to want, I used to want money so much. Mm. But then I tell myself, now I just want to live on the road. Mm. You know, I just want to go to like national parks. I want to go to forests because the feeling I get from that is beautiful compared to having a pocket full of money, like a pocket full of money. Yeah, it's cool. But when I get to hear some birds chirping, water running, I get to see the color of rocks. Mm -hmm. It's it's crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, how come nobody's talking about this anymore? Mm. How come we're so caught up on Instagram, on Twitter? How come we don't talk about traveling, like, to see things that... Because we'll go to Utah, and I told my girl, I was like, when we were at Utah, it's crazy how big Mm. it is. We went to Zion, Mm. and I was like, it's crazy how some people will die and never see this, Mm -hmm. you know? I went to Colorado, and my mind was tripping knowing that to my west was just these huge mountains, you know? And that, like you said, puts perspective on you. Especially being from Oklahoma, we have no mountains. I had seen a picture that I really, really enjoyed. It's like... Let's say it's a picture like this, right? And there's a little ball right in the middle and everything else is dark. Well, that little ball is earth. And then it, ma- it makes you ask yourself, like, if that little piece of marble on that picture is earth, then how big am I? Yeah. And then how big are you and how big are your thoughts? Yeah. And then you think, like, well, my thoughts are small compared to the grand scheme of things. Like, should I really be weighing myself down with all these thoughts or should I just, just live, just just go on about your day like it kind of makes you think like we are we here on purpose or is this an accident and then even if you're here well that's a blessing within itself because what are the odds of you being born like you being born is just a miracle within itself so it's like we're all a bunch of walking miracles yeah and like you said not being able to enjoy life like that is just it's a shame it's a shame there's people that don't leave their zip codes you know what i mean people that don't even think about getting passports like i mean like I don't, my passport expired a few months ago, and it's killing me because I know that I need to get it because 
something might happen. And might not, everyone might need to leave the country. And God willing, someone might die and go to Mexico. And I can't because I don't have my passport. Yeah. We just all need to be ready to move, ready to live. Because Even, our mind will slow us down, dude. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I did uh, I did psychedelics for the first time. Word? Yeah. I'm scared to do psychedelics. I'm, I'll, I don't know. I feel like I have a very addictive personality. And if I like it, I might just <laughs> stick with it. But how was that experience for you? Um, so I did, I did shrooms for the first time. Okay. And uh, I did it uh, at the, what's it called? The, in Lawton. Mm. At the, at the, is it the Wichita Mountains? No, that's not, that's not what they are. Mm. But we went out there to Lawton and we were hiking Mount Scott. Mm. And there's little trails around Mount Scott that people don't know about. And we like going to them because they're so, uh, it's almost like they're untouched. People don't mm, really go there. It's a little bit rougher. It's yeah. more natural. I get what you're saying. There's no trails. Like you're kind of just doing your own thing. And uh, I remember I took the shrooms and my lady, she was reading a book. Mm. And I was just kind of like walking around. And I seen a little pond. Mm -hmm. And there was little fishes in the pond. Mm. But there was no stream going through it. It was just, uh, you could tell it was drying up. Mm -hmm. And in that pond, there was probably like 10 little fishes. And in my head, I was looking at this. And I think because of the shrooms, I accessed my, uh, my emotions so much. And I was like, dang. These, I'm, these, I'm going to save these fishes. Yeah, I was like, these fishes have only been alive probably for a couple of days. And this is where they end. This is where their journey ends. Mm -hmm. Their life. And yeah. this is where it ends. And I caught myself like being sad. And I was like, dang, like for some people their pond is drying up yeah. and they don't even know, you know, they're killing themselves and they don't even know they're slowly dying and they don't even know. Mm. And, uh, colors got super vivid for me. Mm. And I remember looking at, um, the walls of the Canyon that we were in and I was seeing every color and I was like, mm. I'm able to see, mm -hmm. like I'm able to see, I'm able to feel the vibrations of the wind. I'm able to, see the different colors i never admired color as much as i did that day i was like these walls when people think of a rock they're like it's brown mm -hmm. but that day they were purple there were shades of green mm. i was like dang this is so beautiful and then i look over to my lady and she tells me she's like are you okay i'm like dude the sky looks so blue mm. today mm -hmm. and she's just laughing and i'm just like i i saw so much admiration mm. to things i'm like why am i taking so much for granted mm. like how come I don't just, I think we're so fast paced that we don't ever just stop and breathe. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't ever just stop. And like you said the other day that you had turned 30 or 31, right? Mm -hmm. And you sat there and you wanted to cry. Mm -hmm. I cried, bro. Yeah, I you, didn't, I, I yeah. cry a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, often, but yeah, that day I just got in my feelings and just, yeah, she was worried. She was like, dude, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm so good. I'm blessed. Like, yeah. And I think that was like so crazy because mm -hmm. You know, you stopped mm -hmm. and you took a breath. You had to realize that you had a moment of realization. Mm -hmm. And that's what it was for me. I'm like, all my life, I've gone through so much and I'm here now and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm able to experience this. I grew up with kids that they're not here today. You know, mm -hmm. they took the wrong path. We were on the same path at one moment mm -hmm. and we took different paths and they're no longer here. And I was like, I'm so fortunate. Mm -hmm. Like. How come I'm not taking advantage of being so fortunate? How come I'm not experiencing this? Mm. And then that's when I kind of realized to myself, like, I need to start living for myself. Like, I can't be focused on things around me that aren't real. Mm -hmm. So at that moment, I was like, okay, I'm able to see. So I have sight. I'm able to hear. I have hearing. I could walk. I could do all these things. Mm -hmm. There's some people that don't have none of that, mm -hmm. you know? 
There's some people that never get to experience it. There's some people that aren't capable of being able to see anymore. Mm -hmm. And then those people have to reevaluate and take advantage of what they have. My my my, my mother-in-law, she's blind. I met her after she had already lost her sight, so she never got to see me or my kids. Yeah. But I feel like she knows me better than others that can see. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um whenever my she my wife talks about how she passed through some hard times, but now seeing her, dude, she's the strongest. When my firstborn was born, she was the first one that gave my son a, sh a shower, a bath. She can't see, but she she's there. She she can see, you know. Whenever I go to work, I go work at her house so she can watch my kids because, yeah, that's, like, even if she doesn't have it, like, that has never slowed her down. Never slowed yeah. her down. And I think what you're talking about, it sounds like what meditation would do for someone. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm not, I've never sat down and tried to meditate, but, like, from what I read and hear, that's kind of, like, the process that they take. Just sitting still, feeling, like, feel your chair, feel the floor under you hear the sounds around you and just kind of empty your mind so you can take advantage of everything like you know we your drive here like you ever drive and you get to like a stop and you're just like how the hell did i get here yeah. like i don't remember the did i pass a few red lights or something no it's just because you're an autopilot dude and yeah it's just, you're not soaking in the sun you're not seeing that it's raining you're not smelling the smells that that comes but i think that comes with like taking yourself out of your environment Whenever I go to Mexico, I realize the smell of like the wet dirt after it rains. And yeah. I think that comes with it. It's very important for you to take yourself out of your natural environment so you can, you know, feel out of your environment. You know, yeah. that's good that you get to travel, man, because a lot of people don't. And it's just real senses, you know, mm -hmm. like you, you always have those senses, but they're not amplified as they should. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. it's like. When's the last time you took your shoes off and like felt the grass? Dude, I remember one time <laughs> my, I forgot what birthday it was, but I was feeling myself that day. It was, they had thrown a surprise birthday party. It might've been for my 30th and I had a few beers in me. I took my shoes off. Why are you taking your shoes off? I was like, so I can feel the grass under my feet because I'm feeling good yeah. today. Like I'm trying to, and that was funny because that, that it, that's what it reminded me. I took my shoes off that day because I told <laughs> him I want to feel the ground under my feet because I'm alive today. Like. That's true, man. That's very true. Yeah, we went, uh, when we went hiking in Utah, mm -hmm. we were camping like on a back road. So like nobody was really around us. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, it was cold that night because mm -hmm. it's kind of like desert-like. And I don't know if you know, but the desert gets cold, cold at night. Yeah, it gets cold at night. Mm -hmm. And I remember I woke up like at 5 in the morning, probably like 4.30, 5 in the morning. It was still dark. And I woke my lady up. I was like, hey, wake up. Like, I need you to see something. She was like, what? And we went outside and we looked up and you could see every mm -hmm. single star. Mm -hmm. And I, we were just looking at the stars and I was, in my head, I'm just like, we're so little, mm. you know, like mm -hmm. we're so tiny. Mm -hmm. Like, do we really matter? Do we really appreciate things? You know, I want to say no, but we do. Yeah. But so I was just like, wow. I was like, we're so tiny. Mm -hmm. And like people that live in the city, they never get to see the stars. And I was just like, this is crazy. And you've been to Mexico. I've, I went. Uh, I lived in Mexico for a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah, like I would, uh, Durango. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a little town called Nuevo Dial. Mm -hmm. But my uh, my dad was raised there, and my mom was raised there as well. But my dad got to. Uh, he was a cultivator. You know, he got mm -hmm. to be around agriculture. He got to be around cows. Sembrava. Yeah, sembrava, all that stuff. Twice and, a day, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah my dad. My my dad can't go, so my dad told me like, "Hey, I would really appreciate if you went and did what I." 
do some work for me over there. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And I went and I remember just being on a tractor like out there on my own from like sun up to sundown. And it was just crazy because I was like, this is beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, like it was beautiful. I remember it, it rained on me and the tractor got stuck and I had to run like half a mile in mud. Yeah. And it was just crazy. But it was just in a sense like you almost catch yourself like my dad did this. Mm-hmm. My grandpa did this. Mm-hmm. My great grandpa did this. And I was just like, dang, like I'm following something that's bigger than me Mm -hmm. you know like i never met my grandpa my great grandpa but i felt like i was there with him Mm -hmm. at the time and i was just like damn this is so beautiful like this is something that people can't experience Mm -hmm. i was out there experiencing what it is to farm driving an old beat-up tractor Mm -hmm. and i was doing that being able to see a storm Mm -hmm. like coming from a mile away coming from a mile away seeing the mountains right next to us and i was just like dang like this is mm-hmm. this is it. That like, always does that to me when I go to Mexico. I try to tell people that's like my big reset. Whenever yeah. I would go to Mexico, see how things are there, and then I come back here with so much appreciation, such a different look, because I also like to... I don't know why I do this to myself, but I think to myself, like, I could have just as easily been born in Mexico and not here. My, my dad came, uh, he worked a little bit, came back. I llegó mi mamá, took her over to the U.S., and I'm thinking to myself, like, what if... It wasn't my dad. What if I was born in Mexico? I see all the kids there that don't have much, and I'm just like, I'm lucky. Yeah. I'm blessed. So many friends of mine that, that um, are born in Mexico and they brought up to the U.S. that can't go back, that could have just as easily been me. So it's like going to Mexico for me has always been a big perspective changer for me. Yeah. I mean, even even then, too, like, it's, it's crazy. We'll never be able to. Are your parents uh, immigrants? No, I'm thankfully they're citizens now. But at one point, were they? I think so. My dad was first, and then he got se arregló, and then after that was when he went back to go get my mom. So my uh, my my parents both crossed mm. uh, illegally at the time, and my my uh, my dad said that they uh, had got pregnant with uh, with me in Mexico, mm-hmm. and then I was born here. But the crazy thing is, like my dad tells me stories of him crossing. I'm like, dang, like. Some hard stuff dude. I, like i'll never even experience that mm-hmm. and in a sense i'm i'm grateful that i don't have to go through that but it's crazy that he went through that for me to be able to live the life i live now mm-hmm. and uh i think i was a newborn when i was born and they went to mexico to go show the family like hey this is our like the new, style, yeah <laughs> the new addition to mm-hmm. the family and on the way back uh some of my uncles that had papers at the time were supposed to pick me up at the border, mm. but they were too scared to go pick me up at the border. Mm. So my like my family crossed with me. Really? Like yeah, I was back with- in the times where it was easy to pass, and they're just like you a citizen, yes, go ahead. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, my mom was saying that uh, like it was cold one night, mm-hmm. and I was I was a newborn, and they said that it was so cold that the little tears that came out of my eyes no literally way. turned into like frost. Damn. Yeah, my mom was like, we were so scared that you would, like, cry because we're just crossing the desert. And it's like, dang, like, the stuff that them as parents are going to go through and the things... That they did. And yeah. it's something that you, your kids will probably never get to, never have to experience. Yeah, or comprehend, you know? They'll be like, dang, like... You had to do that? They used to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to immortalize those stories because my grandpa has those same stories. Like, you know, my grandpa has told me about a story where... He had people pass away or he heard the Virgin Mary just kind of be like, 
keep going. You're almost there. And then he makes it. One of my goals has been to record a podcast with my grandpa and be like, why? Yeah. Or my dad. I'm like, why? Why'd you cross? What'd you have to go through? Was it worth it? Yeah. Like, because those type of people, my grandpa had to leave everything behind. His mom, his wife, his kids just to come up here and work and just send money back. Until he was able to save up and bring everyone over. And this is a product of what my grandpa did. While we're sitting yeah. in this real estate, this nice building is because he risked it to come. And then they, you know, risked it to, they went to Capitol Hill and, you know, started off in high school. And it's a grind, dude. But like, those are stories that I, we need to immortalize because when your kids are born and you try to explain to them how they came, you know, Mexico might seem more foreign than it was for you. Because, you know, going back and forth. Mexico isn't your home, but then you make it your home. And then I always think, what will that experience be like for my kids and wife when I take them back? Yeah. Because they're not going to see it through the eyes that you did. They're not going to see it through the eyes that your parents did. It's going to be different. And it's sad, but I mean, that's life, you know, you just, but you have to share your story. Yeah. This is where you came from. This is what it's like. But, you know, that's just what it is. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's crazy to understand, too, like the amount of work our parents did, Mm -hmm. too. Like their work was work. You know, mm-hmm. like my dad, he he would work. Like he was telling me that he was 14 years old when he was in charge of a farm, mm. and the farm didn't even have electricity. Mm-hmm. So he says, like when it was nighttime and it was time to go to sleep, it was time to go to sleep. But he says that he was like 14, getting up super early in the morning, and he was prepping everything to go farm, to go milk cows, just to go mm-hmm. do things for the ranch at the moment to survive. To survive, yeah, that was survival for them. And I think that's another beautiful thing in Mexico is you see people live day to day. They don't, mm-hmm. they're not worried about a year from now. They're worried about eating that day, getting things handled for that day, mm-hmm. go to sleep, and hopefully God gives us another day, mm-hmm. you know. And then they wake up the next day, they're appreciative, and they just keep going. And when my dad tells me of the things he was doing at 14, it's almost like you have to tell yourself, like, if he did that at 14... Mm-hmm. I had to be able to do this stuff at 14 too. Mm-hmm. I had to fend for myself. I had to do these things. I had to be independent. And uh, I think that was like one of the, the craziest. Because when my dad, when he drinks, he gets like real emotional. Mm-hmm. And he tells me all these stories. And I'm always telling myself like, all right, like you already told me this story. But then I tell myself like, I got to be grateful for these stories. Yeah. Because it kind of shows like everything he did for me, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it gives me more gratitude for, for the situation that I'm in. Because... What our parents did is the reason we have opportunity now, you know, and it's just uh, the things are we're going to be able to do for our kids. That's opportunity that they helped mm-hmm. create for them, too. Mm-hmm. And I think like with my dad, you know, he's learned certain things throughout life. And when he implements them on me, sometimes you catch them as like being hard on us. Mm-hmm. But it's like, hey, like I'm trying to help you guys out. Mm-hmm. Like life could be pretty brutal. And even out there, like seeing the tractor like shut down, I'm like, he was 14 years old putting this thing back together mm-hmm. and like continuing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dang, this is this is insane. It is insane, dude. <laughs> and then you think about like that, those things and then he passed it on to you. And then what you will pass on to your kid will be a little bit different from there. And then what freaks me out is like how comfortable we get, you know, because every life is meant to be improved upon. You know, your dad wanted to give you a better life than he had. Yeah. You want to give your kid a better life than you have. But I'm always afraid, like, I don't want to spoil him too much because what do they say? Like, eventually you get to the Royce Royce and then it goes all back. Like, somebody screws it up and it just starts all over again. And that's just, I think, part of the problem with 
success, you know, like you get too comfortable, you don't want to risk it, you, you're afraid to try new things, and eventually it ends up biting you in the ass, I think. And I have a, I have a, like, I, I see how you talk about your kid and about your dad. Mm. What was the feeling you got the day that you held your kid for the first time? That was insane, dude. It was so many things that went on. Um, the pregnancy was rough, and things had to happen. And then when you held, when I held him, it was, it was a mix because like, of course you're holding your son at the same time, but we had to go through so much with my wife that I couldn't feel comfortable because I needed to make sure she was okay. Yeah. So it was very weird. Like it's, 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 it's hard, dude. It's, it was very traumatizing. And I say that lightly because I wasn't the one that pushed him out either. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I have my son, but at the same time, I wanted to put him down to make sure that she was okay. And then it was, it was, it was beautiful though. It was beautiful. I think the best part of it all is turning your parents into grandparents. Yeah. That's like, I was the oldest. So I was the first one to have kids. I turned them into grandparents and even just presenting them with the, like, Hey, we're pregnant. Like from then on, it's just jubilation. But like, um, that shit is hard, man. That shit is hard. But then what comes with that is like getting to see your parents grow. You know what I mean? Seeing your parents go from your parents to grandparents and seeing how they handle your grand, your son, their grandkid. And, and then you start realizing that, damn, my parents are getting old. My parents are getting old. And that's a beautiful thing, man. Turning your parents into grandparents. I, w- I hope and pray. And if it doesn't happen, well, fuck, it doesn't happen. But like, I get to put myself in those shoes and get to become a grandparent. But it was a trip, dude. The whole pregnancy is a trip, like having to deal with the trimesters and what comes with that. And it's, it's, it's like walking on eggshells. I was very anxious after like 30 weeks because I worked in the medical field and I would set up babies, newborn babies with monitors, oxygen machines and all that stuff to get them discharged from the hospitals. And I would deal with babies born like at 26 weeks, 28 weeks, 32 weeks. So I was very much conscious that at any time this baby can come out. And it's just, it's not easy. How did I feel though? It's, it's a trip. It's a trip. And then the second one comes by and I remember when the second one came by, I was really tripping. So I signed myself up for a marathon because I was like, I got to do something hard because like, this is what I'm going to do. And I I really messed up because the marathon happened like the day after my daughter was born, but I had signed myself up. I was going to do it, but I probably shouldn't have ran it because I didn't need my <laughs> wife at the hospital. But it was like one of those things that I needed to do something hard to just to just to feel right. I felt like it was like a rite of passage in a weird way. Does that make sense? Yeah. But man, it's a trip. It's a trip. It's a trip. Having kids is a trip. Yeah. That's probably the hardest part is just having them get delivered. Anybody that's pregnant and has a baby, I'm just like, hey, man, for a healthy delivery. Yeah. That's it. Because so many things can go wrong, dude really opens up your eyes to how powerful women are and how they're able to deliver and deal with all that stuff and then how helpless a guy is. Yeah. You're just there like, you got this, babe. Keep pushing. Meanwhile, people are getting cut open and <laughs> stuff's going on and it's just, it's a very, 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 very helpless feeling. Yeah. But I guess that's what a lot of people have to go through. And then what makes me wonder is like how they used to do it back in the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, how people do it back in the day, man. Because there's all these mothers that are passing away and all these babies, stillborn babies. And back in the day, they used to have 15, 12 kids. Yeah. Como si nada. So it's just, 
it's all it's weird man it's weird me personally i would want to have as many kids as i could yeah but it's not up to me you know if my wife says two and that's two i respect that she's the she's the head of that decision there i'm not gonna push it for more but Hopefully I answered your question. <laughs> Is it cool if I take a good little break? So when you held your when you held your kid, did you tell yourself like, dang, like, because I I feel like the nine months that somebody's pregnant, it's like that's one thing. You know, you're constantly thinking like, damn, I'm gonna have a kid. Mm-hmm. But once you hold your own flesh in your hands, it's like, like, dang, this is me. Shit gets real. It didn't hit me until. Um, we started driving away from the hospital. Yeah. That's when it hit me. That's when I looked over to my wife and I was like, now what? Now what do we do? We don't have a nurse checking up on us every four hours. Even though you had dealt with kids already? Yeah, but this is different. Like, yeah. This is totally different. Like, now you realize that if you don't do what you're supposed to, like, the kid could die. Yeah. And you're basically, like, having to keep this kid alive. And it's the feedings and the... All that hard stuff that comes with it is necessary because it'll make you appreciate it later on. Because if it was easy, then everybody would be having kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? So those hard moments really, really, really make it. And I think we all need hard moments in our life because uh, we can't get too comfortable. I'm a firm believer in, you know, kind of making yourself suffer intentionally so that when suffering comes that is out of your hands it becomes a little bit more manageable does that make sense yeah totally and that's what i mean and do you think uh like now that your kid's older um and you get to see them with their own personality mm-hmm. like is there anything that they have taught you so far like at the age that they're at where you're like dang i've been you said you're 32 31 mm-hmm. 31 31 like 31 years of life and this five-year-old just taught me something that Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't even know when I was younger. It taught me how everyone has, like you said, their own personalities, but everybody needs to be treated a little differently. You can't treat everybody the same. Yeah. You can't motivate everyone with the same words. What, I, what works for my daughter doesn't work for my son, and it's um, not fair for me to treat them both that way as well, you know, because they're bo- they both need a certain amount of water for them to grow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's trippy because you brought up personalities at first. Well, when I had my firstborn, I was like, well, maybe all kids are like this, but that's not the case, man. They're born from day one with personalities. My son is more held back. He's a little bit more cautious. He's a little bit more fearful. My daughter, I don't know if that's like the second child syndrome or anything like that, but she's more head on. She'll go down the slide without thinking about it. Well, my son will be like, oh, should I, should I not? But that's like, everyone's personality so now the question is like how do i give him what he needs to succeed in life because what he needs isn't necessarily what my daughter needs where i need to maybe tell my son to be a little bit more adventurous to be less afraid i have to tell my daughter to be like yo maybe you shouldn't be going that hard you know what i mean but at the same time you're asking yourself like you have to let them experience it too you know like you have to let them fall off the jungle gym set by themselves and pick themselves up because if not, like, I always tell my son, it sounds harsh. Like, what are you going to do the day that I die? I hated it when my mom would say that. Yeah. What are you going to do the day I die? And that's true, man. As a, as a man, I think, like, you can't really rely on anybody else. Like, you have to basically rely on yourself. Like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with asking for help. But I always admired my uncles who I work with, my dad, who were very much like, I'll get it done myself. Like, I'll get it. I'll do it myself. I don't need any help. And I hated that. But at the same time, I admired that because... They didn't need anybody. Yeah. And I think, I feel like, uh, like, I think, uh, the big weight that on, that's on parents is like knowing to wake up that day and you like having to be the leader, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I have to lead this child. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm tired. This is a crazy day for me. Like, I had to work all day, but you still have to lead. But it doesn't matter. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. I still yeah. have to wake up early, take my son to school before 8 o'clock. I got to get him a couple donuts before because if not, he gets hungry. And then I also have been trying to go to the gym at 5 a.m. Because yeah. that's the only time I have time for myself. Because if I don't go to the gym at 5 a.m., then the whole day I'm spent, like, on everyone else, taking my son to school, coming back home, going to work at 12, giving off at 8, giving them the time. And it's very, uh, it's a structure, it's very structured, but like I find myself getting lost sometimes. You yeah. Know what I'm saying? So I have to do the podcast. I have to hit up the gym at 5 a.m. just to feel like myself or something like that. Yeah. I'm going to try to run the marathon again. And that's my way of like doing something hard so that I can just feel a little normal because it's, it's a slippery slope to fall under. You ever just fall yourself just yeah. getting into your habits and just you're a weekend and you're just like, damn, it's already February the 21st. Like, what have I done this whole year? And it's yeah. Just, and I think that's one thing. Uh, I, like, I watched Joe Rogan as well. And he said that um, motivation comes and goes. Mm-hmm. Like, motivation comes and goes. But what stays is discipline. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can get yourself disciplined to run a routine that's good for you, it's not going to be easy. Because if it was easy, everybody would do it. And I think that's that's one thing we kind of have to teach ourselves, too, because I feel like we're always constantly seeking for motivation. We're always trying to find something that will motivate us, but we're accountable for our discipline. So that's another thing, because you can go to the gym five days a week, seven days a week, and the next week, you'll be like, oh, man, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm tired. I just got off, or, man, I'm another hour of sleep is mm-hmm. good. But you're your worst enemy in those moments, you, you know? You're your worst enemy. But you got to yeah. rest sometimes, Yeah, dude. you have to. I didn't go to the gym this morning because I stayed up late editing a podcast. So I try to prioritize my sleep. If I'm not going to get at least four to five hours of sleep, I can't go to the gym at five yeah. in the morning. But I was going to bring up something else, but I forgot what I was going to say. Just oh, well, it'll come back to me. <laughs> it'll come back to me. Yeah. It'll come back to me. But yeah, that's that's... That's life, man. That that is life. You ever thought about doing a podcast with your kid? I am. I'm going to. I did. I have. I've recorded a few yeah. things, but they 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 love listening to themselves sing and talk. Now my son is at the point where he tells me what he wants, what he doesn't like. So I feel like now I can have those kind of conversations with them. But I will have a podcast with my kids. Yeah. I wanna. I'm planning on having one with my mom. I just haven't told her. And my dad. I want to do everyone really because I like the idea of being able to record this. Yeah. throwing it on youtube and letting it live there forever because these are snapshots of where you are in life right now yeah. so let's say you have a kid and you want to be like let me show you where i was at back in february of 2023 and then he listens to this and he gets like that sense that idea because let's say i have you on in five years from now it'll probably be a totally different episode, yeah. totally different podcast and that's what i like to do too i take a lot of home vlogs or i used to i used to be very good about that and my kids love watching their old YouTube videos. We went to Cancun one time and I vlogged it, um, showed us at the, at the house, showed us at the hotel before we left in the airport, clips of at the airport, clips of the hotel, clips in the jacuzzi, clips at the beach. And my daughter can watch herself on YouTube all day. Hey, let's watch the Cancun video. Let's watch the Baby Vale video. And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. But I do that so that whenever they have grandkids, they can be like, look, this is me in yeah. 2010. So that's kind of been... A little bit of why I do all of this too. So yeah. yeah. And I want to start a podcast as well you because should, I think uh I think the information we get, I think it's almost like a responsibility to share it too, mm. you know. Not be gatekeepers. Yeah, because you said this is what your seventy first 
podcast. It should be 71. It's 71 yeah. conversations, you know? Mm-hmm. And whether if it's 10 views or 1,000 views, 100,000 views, it's just the amount of people that impacts, mm. you know? You have so much power to impact people. And I, like I said, I think conversations is almost like our responsibility to share with people because mm-hmm. maybe there's some information that I have that's going to be good for another person. is going to be a lesson for another person. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be people that are going to hate on the conversation as well, but it's what good that conversation could bring, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I try to I try to learn every day for myself, and you're going to change, you know? You're going to ch- I don't think who you are now is who you're going to be when you die, you know, when you get older. If you do, if you, if you're the same person, then you didn't grow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think me, like with myself, I want to have those podcasts as well. That way, when I have a kid, they'd Mm -hmm. be able to be like, dang, like my, my dad was having these conversations with people Mm -hmm. at this point of his life. Like I need to be having those type of conversations Mm -hmm. with people as well, because I think, like I said, conversations are a beautiful thing, but you got to learn how to impact people because some people, they could feel like that's that that wants to be their last day, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe something you said impacted them to where they want to change the way they live, mm-hmm. the way they think, the way they see things. And I think that's been a, a thing for me too because even me growing up, like I said, there was people that I grew up with that we were on the same route and somewhere along the path, we just took different paths. And now they're living a completely different life than you. And you're like, dang, how easily could I have gone down that road? And you got to kind of like, like me, I I have a buddy that he used to have everything when we were kids. Mm -hmm. Like he had everything. And then when his life took a turn, nobody wanted that life anymore. Mm -hmm. At one point, we all wanted that life, everybody in the neighborhood. And then when things took a turn for him, everybody's like, oh, man, like. Mm-hmm. I can't believe he's going through that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, now y'all don't want that life. Yeah, yeah. Now y'all don't want that, that life. Yeah, like that. That it could change for all of us, you know. Like we could get injured tomorrow, where it's life changing. Like we, I feel like we take so much things for granted. But I feel like us being able to have these conversations with people, mm-hmm. with one another, like me and you, we never knew each other, mm-hmm. but I knew your brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like. I was with Howell when I was in middle school. You went to Roosevelt with yeah. him? Yeah. Lord have mercy, bro. I heard about his Roosevelt days. Dude, I, we met in ISS. No, really? <laughs> yeah. My brother, I've seen videos of my brother beating the crap out of people, dude. I heard he can bang. He could, he's a dog. That's what I heard. I've yeah. never physically fought him, but like I've, he has these big old sledgehammers for hands and I'm like, damn, dude, like. He's a dog. <laughs> he's yeah. crazy, dude. I remember we were in ISS and I don't know why, but we would roll up uh, magazines uh-huh. And like when we'd catch kids like sleeping in the cubicles, uh-huh. we'd like smack them in the back of the head. And me and jo- me and Ho were just like laughing. Uh-huh. And I remember I was asleep one day in ISS because I think I had like seven days. I think he had like four days or something like that. And I remember he smacked me in the back. I'm like, God damn. Uh, but that's how we met. And after that, we were cool with each other. Like we see each other like, what up, bro? And I was in. Then I ended up meeting Nani. Yeah. And Nani's chill as hell, too. Nani's so. chill. Yeah, I think I'm the chill. chillest, but yeah, they're, all three of us are a little wild, man. Joel, Joel's the type of person I always say has this type of luck. Like, um, you ever meet somebody who has just this type of luck? Like, no matter what happens, they always end up in a better situation than they were before, even if they're, like, locked up or something like that. Yeah. Like, you're playing poker with somebody, and you're just always winning. Like, how? I think Joel has that type of luck. Yeah. He just gets into these situations, but now... God bless him, man. He is he's doing good, dude. He's he's doing good. As is my brother, as is my sister. So so we're all doing pretty good. But that's hilarious, dude. Yeah. A V would tell me stories about my brother 
And yeah, dude, I, my brother says he can write a book about the troubles that he's been in, and I believe him, dude. Yeah. He's been shot. He's been hanging outside of car windows, beating the shit out of people. Like, pfft. I'm just like, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> my, my, the, my, the way my anxiety works, I could never, I yeah. could never do that. I'm always thinking about the worst. Like, I couldn't do that, but that is hilarious. Dude. Yeah, that's how my big brother is too. My big brother was like a crash dummy. Yeah. But like, thank God he's not like that no more. But man, when he was younger, I'm just like, God damn. Mm. Like, I think about him when he was 18 and when I was 18, I'm like, bro, we live two completely different mm -hmm. lives. And the life you lived, I don't even know how you got out of it. You know, same mm -hmm. same thing. He got shot at. He would beat up dudes. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, dang, I don't even know how you guys got out of that. I can't, dude. Because all that shit will come back to you. Like, yeah. I'm afraid that if I go and fight somebody, like, he might try to catch me when I'm not looking or something like yeah. that. Like, Nah, just put on past. Like, we don't need to be fighting, bro. I'm always the guy in the middle trying to break up fights. The other day, we went to go see Dave Chappelle, and I went out with my brothers. It's the first time. I've, not the first time, but it's been a while. And these guys almost got into three fights. And I was telling them, I was like, dude, people get shot up in downtown all the time. Yeah. And here I am breaking up three fights. I told my wife, I was like, I'm never going to break a fight up again because I can get killed for that. I went to go get some Buffalo Wild Wings the other day, and somebody had gotten shot 15 minutes before I showed up. And died. And I didn't get my wings that day. Because they stopped <laughs> cooking wings. But I was just like, well, damn, dude. Like, everyone's carrying a gun. Like, just just yesterday, on Sunday, someone got shot at the Sunday league at the fields. Because from what I read, they had their kids on the sideline. And he ended up getting trampled over. The guy got pissed, pulled his gun out, and shot somebody. God damn. I'm like, dude, like, like we... War isn't the answer, guys. Yeah. Let's just, just peace and love. Like, just forget about it. Learn and just move on. But... That's just how shit rolls, bro. It's just so crazy how delicate situations are now. Like, people. It's, yeah. it's not the situation that's delicate. It's the person that's delicate. Like, yeah. You can get cut off in road rage. You know what I mean? Like, nah, man. I, I can't do that. I'm the type of guy that if I'm getting off on this exit, I'm going to stay in this lane because I don't need to go faster. I need to go slower. My wife hates it. Speed up. I was like, I can't go faster than the car in front of me. We're good. We're going to get there. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And every dog has his day, man. Every dog has his day. Every dog has his day. Mm -hmm. So one day you're going to meet a dude that's bigger and better than you. He's going to give it to you, and man. He's going to give it to you. He's going to give it to you. And you don't get to choose how it's going to end. No, you don't. Yeah, if you, you, you get to choose the way it starts, but you don't get to choose the way it ends. Mm -hmm. You never know. It might be your last fight. Mm. You know, you might get to live another day. But I just, I think that's one of the sad things about the newer generation, too. Back then, you take an ass whoop and all right, you what? You take know, it to the chin. Take it to the chin. I got my ass whooped, so what? But now it gets immortalized. Yeah, you get your now. ass whooped and you get your ass whooped. They record it and it's on YouTube forever. And yeah. Facebook forever, so. And it just gets way more personal for them. Mm -hmm. So they end up doing something dumb that's going to change the course of their life. you imagine if our worst moments were recorded yeah. and posted on social media? As opposed to, I guess that's one of the luxuries that we have now is that Back when we were doing our dumb stuff, there wasn't all that stuff around, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Of course, we had, like, Bebo and whatnot, but, like, nah, it wasn't getting posted like that. We weren't using it like that. But, yeah, damn. Yeah, because even, even when we were kids, like, you, you got your ass whooped, and, and people would just talk about it. But they will talk about it for, like, a week. And it's gone, dude. Yeah, and then it was yeah. gone, and now it's like, dude, like, they'll talk about a story a year ago. I'm like, that dude got his ass whooped. Mm -hmm. I even got the video. Yeah. And, then and that, it just still lives. And then that person gets depressed. Ends up committing suicide. In the worst case scenario, like there's a story about a kid in Edmund, Edmund something who, who was getting bullied on the baseball team and he tried to commit suicide. Luckily, he didn't, you know, he didn't pass away. But like, 
that's just you know it's horrible to see how kids are dealing with all this social media stuff and like that it makes me ask my myself and my wife like when are we going to be okay with giving my son a phone yeah a tablet uh, i think we decided that we're just going to give him a flip phone that only calls and i'm able to track him with gps but what's but what's crazy is i think even some adults need flip phones yeah yeah there's some adults that don't know how to use social media at yeah. all at all I think there's sometimes in my life where I'm like, I would be so better off with a flip phone. Mm. Like, why am I doing this to myself? Mm -hmm. And I think you're just so you're just you're so addicted and you're playing into the system so much that it's almost impossible for you to go do it. I can go get a flip phone today, but am I going to do it? Mm -hmm. Probably not. You know, is it going to be better for me? It probably is. But mm -hmm. I think we're just so addicted to those things, those luxuries and man i just I, I think it's terrible but like even the thing with kids like i think it's hard for parents nowadays to kind of put themselves in the situation of their kids i think it'd be a little bit easier for us because like you said we kind of grew up in the midst of like bebo myspace and all these mm -hmm. things we kind of understand a little bit more but I there's suppose there are parents who didn't you know what i mean yeah my, my mom is just now getting a hold of facebook you know what i mean and I can't post anything without her commenting on it, you know, love sign, <laughs> which is cool. I, I appreciate that. But like, yeah, everyone, I, I feel like we grew up in a special time. You know, we got a little bit of the old and a little bit of the new. And now we're just dealing with the new, bro. Yeah. And I mean, same like, like with kids, man, it's just, it's sad seeing that some kids go through some things and they're not even able to express themselves because they almost feel like everybody around them takes them as a joke, you know, mm -hmm. and they fall so much into, into depression. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's a, I don't. I don't think we push enough like that we all need help. We all need therapy. Mm -hmm. Like the person that says, I don't need therapy. I think you're the one that needs it the most, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that's true. Because you don't have it figured out. You never have it figured out. You might think you know yourself, but you don't truly know yourself all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, there's sometimes you react to certain things and you don't realize that you react the same to that situation every single time and you haven't changed it for yourself, mm -hmm. like for the good of you. Like, maybe if you change that one thing, your life would be completely different. Kids right now, they'll say harmful things to each other, not knowing the impact that harmful words are going to have. Mm -hmm. Even with my little sister, uh, she, she, she talks to us, but like I said, she's, she's real tough because she kind of grew up around nothing but boys. And my lady is like kind of the first girl that's been around her and like mm -hmm. opens up to her kind of like girl to girl. And uh, I remember we got in the car and my lady was like, Dude, your sister, they're fucking bullying her. Mm. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah. There was girls on TikTok making videos like, who do you think's a, a, a bitch at the school? Mm. And then they're like, they tag her name. No way. Yeah, and my little sister, like, she's like, whatever. Like, they're going to mm. say whatever they want. But they do that because she's pretty. You know, mm. she's like, so I'm like, dang, like, it's, it's getting pretty bad out there. Mm. And I think it's just with social media, it's another way for people to fight with each other, too. Mm -hmm. Like back then, like I said, we just catch one, catch, catch a one, fair one, catch, catch one, get it over with. But now it's like people will like make videos taunting mm -hmm. you. And it's like you don't understand the, the harm. Those, you're, blows. those blows probably hurt more than the physical. Yeah, because you're you're messing with them emotionally. Fuck. Yeah, that's true. Well, shit, bro, let's switch it up a little bit. You're a freaking barber and we haven't even touched your barber shop. <laughs> we touched a little bit. How much do you charge? I charge forty dollars a haircut. Forty dollars a haircut. Yeah, and if you get your beard done, then I charge like another fifteen. Mm. Um, but I think cutting, like with with cutting, it's just so intricate. You know, every haircut's different. Every single person's head is different. Mm -hmm. And I think taking your time too is like like a really good thing with haircuts. Mm. I think nowadays people are just like a la brava. You know, like yeah, I'm very much like that. I don't have a set barber. 
I find myself going when I have a little bit of time. So if like I don't have time, I just won't get my hair cut. Which yeah. My wife is always like, yo, get your hair cut. Your eyebrows are looking a little shaggy today. And I just, if I don't have time, I just can't go. But I, it's good to have a barber. I was having a conversation with somebody who's like, what do you think about $100 haircuts? And I said, I don't think there's anything wrong with them. It yeah. depends on the cut. depends on the person. depends on if you appreciate the work. I've seen people spend $100 on some dumb stuff. You yeah. Know what I mean, what's your opinion on like $100 haircuts? Are people that don't, that aren't for it? Or what, what do you think about it? I think, uh, I think it all comes down to catering to certain people. Mm. Like, I have some clients that time is everything. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I got to be somewhere. So if I'm right on the dot, then they, they grow appreciation for that. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I have some clients that come in at 5 a.m. and they give me $100. I don't even charge them that. That's just what they give me. But I think they, uh, they just, it, I think it just all comes down to appreciation, consistency, quality. Mm -hmm. There's some barbers I hate to be the type of guy to say it, but they're not worth it. You know, like mm -hmm. they don't care about the haircut as much. Like me, I always tell people, I'm not gonna give you a haircut I wouldn't rock myself. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not gonna let you get out of my chair with the haircut where I'm like, you know, I'm always gonna be like, okay, that haircut's fresh. Like I think you're good to go now. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm 15 minutes late, like I'm gonna be 15 minutes late. That way you get your money's worth. That way you feel good about yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't have to second guess like the haircut. So I try to do, I even ask my clients all the time, like, hey, like, mm -hmm. has, there ever, has there ever been a time that you're like, dang, he didn't do that good? Mm -hmm. And they always tell me that no. And I tell them like, you're not hurting my feelings. And there's some, there's some barbers that want, there's some clients that want to give me more than a hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. There's some guys that are like, dude, if you come to my house, I'll give you like 300. And I'm just like, damn. And it's just all time and consistency. Some, I mean, you, you got to value time, people's mm -hmm. time. So if you give them a set time, you know, try to be on time. Yeah. And if you're late, communicate with them. Mm -hmm. You know, I think communication is a big thing in barbering, too. If you're 30 minutes late, hey, I'm 30 minutes late. Don't worry, I'm going to be right with you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, talk to them. And some people can't afford a $100 haircut. But I also believe that getting a haircut is an, uh, it's, a, it's a luxury, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. If you can't afford it, then don't get it at the time wait another week you know stack your chips a little bit and then if you're ready to go get a haircut maybe right now you got it mm -hmm. and if you want to give a hundred bucks and that's fine and i think it also comes down to uh like uh like if if it's going out of my way for you then you know you got to know your value as well mm -hmm. you can't let people step over you mm -hmm. yeah so if i charge 40 dollars, but you want me to squeeze you in and i'm like you got to let them understand, like, if I squeeze you in, it's going to be 80 bucks. Mm -hmm. And if they say, all right, that's cool, then you get them in. You know, they value what you're doing for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I help you, you help me. Mm -hmm. There's sometimes I have clients that they don't have it at the time, and they're like, hey, bro, you know, I haven't gone to you. My apologies. It's just right now I don't have my money right. Mm -hmm. I'm like, bro, just come through. Like, come through, I'll take care of you, give me whatever you, you got. You don't take it personal if your nah, head goes I to somebody don't. else? <laughs> no, I'm, uh, that's another thing. I don't understand why people get mad when somebody goes somewhere else, like... You know, you're not their boss. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't own them in any type of way. I tell my clients all the time, like, if you feel like you want to try somebody else, go try them. Mm -hmm. Like, I, it's not going to hurt my feelings. Because if your work is good enough, they'll be back. Yeah, they'll be <laughs> able And I, I tell barbers all the time that they're like, man, I lost a client. Like, they'll be back, bro. Mm -hmm. And then me, I'm really big on, like, progress. I don't reach a point in my career where, like, all right, I'm done. This is it. Like, I'm good enough. Mm -hmm. No, every day I'm like, okay, how can I make this fade look a little bit crispier? Mm -hmm. 
okay, maybe if I try this technique and I'll try a new technique and I'm like, dang, this technique's working for me. Mm -hmm. Or if people want to accomplish a certain type of look, you know, you got to help them as well. Mm -hmm. And I think consultation has a lot to do with it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because someone might want a certain haircut and your head might not work that way. Maybe the way your hair, los remolinos, bro, like, sorry, you can't get that. Yeah, like I tell people that all the time, like, hey, like, you know, this haircut might not work for you, but this haircut might. Mm -hmm. And I end up doing the haircut that they trust me to do and they're like, dang, like this is way better than what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's just you gotta you gotta be truthful to people. And some people don't just come to you because of the haircut. Sometimes you're almost like a therapy session too. That's what I was gonna say. They're not just getting a haircut with you. Yeah, they get a therapy session. As they well. get a therapy session, uh-huh. so they get to talk to you. They get to let it go. They get to talk about home. They get to talk about their their company, their business, whatever they're at. They get to let it out on you. You get to give them a different type of perspective. And in a sense, it's almost like your responsibility to. Mm-hmm to do good for them you know you don't want to you don't want to give them something bad whether it's a haircut un consejo like mm. you want to be good all around you know carry yourself professional value them value their time value their money because mm. i charge 40 and i tell people sometimes like if i charge 40 i gotta think about it some people have to work three hours in in, in order to afford my haircut mm. and like i said sometimes people don't have the money and they're like hey bro i've been down i'm like hey bro it's fine mm. when you're when you're back on your feet you could pay me what you what you used to pay me, but right now if you only have thirty bucks, I'll work with you. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not money hungry like I used to be. No, you do people favors and that pays in dividends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you help somebody out and say, look, I, I understand you got twenty five, you got something coming up, I'll cut you. They might pay you a hundred next time. Yeah. You know what I mean? That goes a long way. Not every barber will do that. You know what I had just had thought? You want to start a podcast, but you're a barber that gives therapy sessions. Why not have a podcast while you're cutting hair? Uh, I think about that. I've thought about it, but I just, uh, or is it just because you take being a barber so serious that dividing your head up that way wouldn't be fair for the person getting the hair? Yeah, I think more so that's a situation. I think it's, uh, I think I want to do it like in a more controlled, like, uh, setting, like kind of like how you have the setting you have now. That's what I want to do. I don't want to have to like worry about doing the haircut at the same time and talking to you. Yeah. So like I do. I have a list of people that I have met throughout my course and like I jot them down. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. So I'm like, I have a good setup right now. Mm-hmm. Like if I were to start this, this podcast, I'd be all right. Mm-hmm. And I always tell myself like, maybe I haven't started it yet because there's more people that I need to meet mm-hmm. and there's a way that I want to go into it. Mm-hmm. And I've been coming up with like different names. I've been coming up with different topics, different situations. And I think too, uh, like having a podcast with your clients, I think sometimes when you talk to your client, it's more of a private thing, you know, mm-hmm. like they maybe, might not want to share. Yeah, that. they might not want they might not want to share it. And something that might come out of their mouth might not be taken the right way. And it's mm-hmm. it's going to be kind of like uh, some people are going to take it as cutthroat, you mm-hmm. know, like, oh, I don't agree with that. And maybe that's a situation they don't even want to like delegate with anybody right now or get backlash for or any type of thing. Mm-hmm. Because there's an anxiety that comes with getting like getting on the mic. Yeah, getting yeah. on mic. Yeah. There's people that I've asked to have on, and some people are for it, some people are not. And I completely understand, and I appreciate people like if they don't want to come on, that's cool. I understand that. That's not for you. We'll move on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Last question. Last question. If someone was to ask, "Who is David Vargas?" What would you say? Who is David Vargas? I'd like to say creative. Mm. Like I'm just somebody that's creative. Um, and when I say creative, it's uh, it's not just like what I could do with my hands. It's just more so like the way I think, 
Uh, I think I, I try to be as intellectual as I can. I think uh, I'm real I'm real loving, you know, and love comes in different forms. There's mm -hmm. tough love. There's soft love. There's all those types of different loves. Different languages. Yeah, there's love. different languages, man. And I think uh, I'm real big on respect. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to treat people the way I want to be treated. Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, I'm real cautious with the things I say. Because back then in, in the past, I used to be kind of, I would just go with the flow. But now I, I really try to like dissect things that I do in life. But I'm loving, respectful. I'm caring. Like I said, I don't. I'm not money hungry, so sometimes people are down on their luck, like, hey, bro, don't even worry. Like, if the haircut I give you could make your day better, then let's, let's, let's get it going. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I, I admire friendship a lot, mm -hmm. so I used to have a bunch of friends, but now the friends I do have, like, I try to be honest with them. Mm -hmm. I try to be straightforward with them. You know, I want, I want to be somebody that they go to. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else. You sound very intentional. Yeah. Intentional is a good word, I think. I Yeah. I'd like to say that, too. And I think uh, I'm real appreciative, too. Mm -hmm. Even, like, with the conversation we're having right now. I think it's crazy that we cross paths. Mm. You know, I think we cross paths with people for certain reasons. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, you, you, get to, you get to choose if it's going to be for your good or not. Mm -hmm. So I think even this conversation, it's, it's, it's a learning lesson for me as well. I get to listen to you about being a dad mm -hmm. i got to listen to you about your experiences in life the way you see things and i'm real uh, i'm i'm like an open book in a sense mm -hmm. you know and i'm not afraid to talk to people about my past because i feel like like i said it's almost a responsibility mm -hmm. for me to be able to inform people of things they could avoid as well mm -hmm. but i think i think the most important thing is loving i like to love nice. yeah i think uh i think in the world we live in right now i think that's something that's that's lacking mm -hmm. is love. I think there's too much hate going on right now. Mm -hmm. I was talking to somebody yesterday about everything that's going on in, uh, Turkey, and in Turkey. Turkey. and Yeah, I was like, how come the world isn't stopping what they're doing right now? I thought the same thing whenever we heard about the, you know, Russia-Ukraine war. And then, then you start thinking about, well, that's only what we get to see. Yeah. You know, what about all the stuff that we don't get to see? Like, we're worried about all the wars going on over there. What about all the wars going on in Mexico that are just across the border? You know, there's civil wars in Africa that are going mm -hmm. on right now. I just think we're, we're we don't just stop and like care about others. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, I think the older you get, you start to realize how cruel the world is too. Yeah. You know, because when I was a kid, man, I think I thought the world was like so full of love. Mm -hmm. Now I'm getting I'm getting older. I'm like, damn, the world is it's brutal. Hard. Yeah. It's, it's easier for you to get depressed. But we can't lose hope, bro. We gotta yeah. keep the positive up. And I think it's our job to be loving, mm -hmm. you know? Be a lovable person. You get to spread that. That's a blessing. You get to be loving today. Mm -hmm. You get to be alive and spread some energy today. Mm -hmm. Like me, I got some haircuts later on this afternoon. Like, I might be having, like, a slow day where I'm, like, tired or something. But it's almost my it's my obligation to be a good person, it's you know? It's a blessing to yeah. be a good person. It's a blessing to be able to have people come to you and get a haircut. But look for advice as well it's a blessing to have you know to be where you're at yeah for sure i mean if you if you can't appreciate where you're at now what makes you think when you go further in life you're not going to be a, you got to learn how to appreciate now to appreciate later you mm -hmm. know i think life is all stepping stones you know i mean like i said you make you make of it what you want to make of it mm -hmm. sometimes i'm down on my luck and i'm like damn like i can't believe like i'm in this situation but it's like what if 
what if this is meant to be? Like, what if I'm supposed to learn something that was that I need to learn now in order to appreciate the next step in life? Or I like to think about like, I might be having a shitty day, but to somebody else, that shitty day might be a badass day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Your shitty day might be somebody's greatest day ever. You know yeah. what I mean? So perspective, man. Your problems are somebody else's dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. your problems are somebody else's dreams. Someday I'm like, some days I'm like, man, my problems are not even problems. Mm-mm. Like, why am I letting this like get to me so much? I like to say good problems. You know, yeah. sometimes we have problems and other times we have good problems. Like me having to deal with everything at home, the stress that comes with it. That's just a bunch of good problems. Man. Yeah. Good problems to have. Yeah. And I think we're just blessed and fortunate. Nice. Dude. Uh, well, I appreciate you for coming on. You brought up creativity, but we'll leave it to, we'll leave that for another podcast because... I'm curious to see what you think about how all this AI coming in, disrupting creativity, if what AI is doing is really creative and the battle between what AI is creating and what people create. I think that'll be an interesting conversation. For sure. Because before you know it, man, we're going to have robots cutting people's hair and getting people's hair exactly how they want it. But I'm not going to be able to go in and have a therapy session with a robot. Or will I? Yeah. Or will I? You know what I'm saying? Because things are going... Things are going crazy, crazy. But I appreciate you for coming on. Appreciate you Two for having me. Two hours in one minute. Um, we'll do it again, bro. Do you have anything else to say before we, before um, we depart? I think uh, I just tell people, like, step out of your comfort, man. Go learn. Go experience. Go bust your ass. You know, go fail. Mm-hmm. Like, go learn from your failures. You know, love the next person next to you. Be an impact. You know, you have that power. Yeah, go fall down so you can get back up. 1000%. All right, man. Well, if you've been listening to this podcast up to this point, I appreciate you guys. Um, tune into the next episode, man. But this has been another episode of the Mass Football Podcast with the homie David Vargas. Appreciate you having me. Peace.